welcome to Crit Apocalypse episode 205. Talk towards the microphone. Welcome to Fucking Crit Apocalypse episode 205. I still don't know how a microphone works. I haven't works. gotten any better at this. And how you doing? What? How are you doing? Average. Any new toys? And I'm not talking about the Transformers. I'm talking about your Fleshlight collection. Although they do also transform into something. What do they transform into, Ant? A fleshlight full of semen. <laughs> the greatest transformation of all, let's face it. <laughs> transform into the beauty of life. Okay. Into um, a Catholic's worst nightmare. <laughs> anyway, Ant, how you been? It's fine until um, one minute and 13 seconds ago. You know what? It's going to be a different time to people listening to this. Do you know why? Why? Because it might be in a different country and then it's daylight savings time, so it might be an extra half an hour on that, so it might be 30 minutes and 1 minute, 13 seconds. What are you going on about? (laughs) Daylight savings affecting how long in the podcast. I was looking at photos of Masterpiece Yuki Kaze, because once someone on Twitter got it. Um, I'm looking at the photos here on my phone of it. Um, I could just look at the one I've got right here. It's almost as bad for my soul as that video of that Neo Coon prick. Oh, what, the guy with the voice? Yeah. Yeah. Hi there. I just want to tell you right now that the unhoused are uh, considered a certain fucking thing by guys fucking make conservative me cunts. Fuck them all. Um, and, and anything interesting happened this week that you want to talk about? Any news you're bringing to the table? I got news. I don't do news. What the fuck are you on about? Get on with you. Fucking all right. Tom Sizemore died. Yeah, he beat his girlfriend, so... Yep, so corporal punishment is something ants strangely <laughs> in favour of, apparently. He, he, was it Heidi Klum he used to go out with? I don't fucking know. Someone. All I know is he's dead, Ant, so he can't yeah. beat Heidi Klum in hell, can he? Mm. 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 Anyway, um, well, no, it, it's still, you know, it's sad. This loss of life is always sad, um, even when it's a prick. Mm. And he's done some good stuff, movies-wise. I watched a video of him doing the Always Sunny episode he's in. Do you remember that? No. He plays a trucker who thinks that Charlie and Dennis are prostitutes. Lot lizards, he calls them. All right. And he's like, there'd be a time in my life where I'd let you two split me open like a coconut. And it's just, it was just bloopers of him trying to deliver that line and Charlie Day just splitting up because Tom Sizemore is massaging the back of his head and sort of rubbing his thumb against the, against his ear. It was just very funny. Uh, but yeah, apparently a bad bloke. So I guess yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess we're not gonna not gonna celebrate his life, are we, Ant? No. Didn't oh, rape celebrate anyone's. Did he rape anyone? Probably. Oh, okay. Then yeah, no, we're gonna stop that then. Gonna, Let's put a pin in that subject matter for now. I'm just gonna, you know, um, slander as many dead celebrities as possible. How do you feel about Tom Hanks? He's alive. Yeah, he's still alive. Yeah. You said the other day, Tom he, Hanks. He did. He did bring COVID to Australia. Did he, so, or did COVID bring him to Australia? No, he went to Australia and he brought COVID with him. Wait, he didn't go to Australia to first fight COVID? No. Oh. No, he was there to film a movie and he caught COVID and brought it with him. Do you so, remember yeah. Do you remember when Australia had a second COVID outbreak because a security guard at the COVID hotel slept with one of the people that had COVID and went home? Possibly. I don't know. He was in a relationship. He cheated on his wife. Good for him. <laughs> one of the people in the COVID hotel. And then spread COVID everywhere. What about Pretty... the time that we ruined New Zealand's track record by some holiday makers from the UK going over there and bringing? 
We fucking ruined so many people's time. The UK went from like, look, COVID's not a big deal, while the rest of the world dealt with it. And then we became responsible for so many outbreaks around the world. Yeah, England. At one point we had a ship. England. Was, we just had a plague ship. <laughs> it was in Spain. Yeah. Just sitting there like, yeah. what do we do? Let him die, I guess? Yeah. All right. Uh, if he dies, he dies. That's that's going to be something to do with one of my reviews later. No. Oh. So, and any video games coming up that you're excited for? No, none. Nothing ever. coming There's out. No video play? games have ever come out. Resident Evil Four. I don't want to play the Resident Evil Four remake. I'll just play the original again. But it's a new experience. There's no need for a remake of Resident yeah, Evil. Yeah, but 4. I would have said that about Resident Evil Three, and I enjoyed that. No, because it's an entirely different feeling game. Yeah, but I would have said that about Resident Evil Two, but I still enjoyed that. Yeah, it's an entirely different feeling game to the original. Yeah, but I would have said that about Resident, Resident Evil, Evil Four. Veronica. is going to play exactly the same as the previous one. Well, no, the I would have said that about Resident Evil Code Veronica X, but that was better than the original. There isn't a remake of Code Veronica X. Yeah, there, there is. There's a HD remaster. No, that's based not the same on the PlayStation thing. Two game, not the Dreamcast that's game. That's just an upscale of the Dreamcast. Mm, it's a different game from the Dreamcast game that I had when I was a kid. It's a shitter one. The Dreamcast one looked better. It did, yeah. Yeah. Also, uh, the only thing they added was that horrible gun survivor minigame. Do you remember they had the survivor's first person minigame in the PlayStation 1? That was what you were unlocked. I didn't play that. Okay. I had the Dreamcast version. Oh, did you? Yeah, I've still got it. Yeah? Yeah? Does yeah. that make you cool, does it? Yeah. Does that make you a cool kid? Yeah. Do you go to the drug dealers and you go, hey, I've got code Veronica, and they say, hey, have some free drugs. Yeah, because you're the, so cool. That's the password you have to use. <laughs> I'd like some code for an correct. Yeah. And you're like, if you want some like high quality cocaine, you have to say, I want some Resident Evil Gaiden. No. What'd you say? You, you just greet them and say code Veronica. They take that as the greeting that you're cool. Yeah. And you're down. Oh, and they give you a menu. And you're down to clown. Do you get a menu? Yeah. Do they have a vegan yeah, menu? It's laminated. <laughs> just, just, just in case anyone. It's got that know. good laminating. You know yeah. when it's like. Um, yeah. So it doesn't bubble. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't let moisture. You know the one where it's like sort of quite thick. Is that specifically so the edges? That, is that specifically so like the nose bleeds don't fuck it up? You know from the cocaine. But added. you can also use it as a table to serve from. Or a knife to cut someone's throat. Yeah. Yeah? yeah. Multifaceted. You know what it's like on the streets. <laughs> with, their, with their pocket laminators. <laughs> Life on the streets, laminators. You can get pocket laminators. You yeah, can get you port- can. portable laminators. Ryman's is predominantly powered by yeah, the drug okay, industry. Laminates. Mate, you get a couple of pencil sharpeners, you get a multi-tool like a Leatherman, and you get a pocket laminator, you're ready to be a drug dealer nowadays. Hmm. And you only get the sharpeners to remove the razor blades to put in the menus that you're going to give people. And if they give you, you get sash, the sharpeners so you throats. can take down people's orders. No, everything's Make digital Make note of now. all the money that's been going through. Everything's digital now. You do it on your phone. They sell the card readers in... They ones. sell the card readers in Yeah, yeah. Really? Yeah. Why do people need... Why do you need a card reader? So you can sell stuff. You have, like, the contactless payment thing. You link it to your online account. And you can just buy those? Yeah. And so... Yeah, like 40 quid. If I wanted to, I could just strip one you of those out. You have to subscribe out. to a service to... Oh, right, so you have to actually subscribe to something. Yeah, okay. you got you got to like, link to a server. Because I was just thinking, like, if you put one of those in, like, a jacket yeah. and just knocked into people, chances are you can probably get a few... You yeah, probably yeah. get a few people and steal some money. Yeah, yeah, maybe. During the catch, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they would, yeah. All right, well, it's episode 205 of Crit Apocalypse. Here we go. We talk about stuff and things, and you review four things. Do I? I review four things. Mm-hmm. At the end, we meet and convene about how we feel. Yeah. We have deep, meaningful conversations as men in the... Just normal 20s. men. Pardon? Just normal men. Just normal men. Just innocent man, men. 
one man with an army of robots ready to take over the take over the world, and me with my unholy army of ferrets ready to uh, take the night. You can have the day because I assume that these robots are solar powered, or how you call it, energon. Energon, and what is energon again? Just energy. It's just a general term for energy. It's just a type of energy. I still don't understand why they can't just eat fucking food then. Because calories are a measurement of energy. Well, they have to process it into energon. Yeah, I know, but wouldn't their bodies do that? No. Oh, so they actually, they need like... Oh, okay. They need to process it into energon. So they, so they can, need like a... Like, you know, people like that are on dialysis. Like you wouldn't just put food in a car, would you? Well, no, because they have different types of food. They don't have... They don't have like... Like sandwich... You don't have car sandwich. Put, yeah, you wouldn't put a sandwich in a car. Not if it wasn't car sandwich. No, you'd turn it into petrol first. No, you'd use a hot dog, something that fits in the hole. You can't put a sandwich in a fucking petrol tank. No, you slice it in half. You know, you, what are you talking about? You're talking about sandwich fingers. Slice it into triangles. You're talking about sandwich <laughs> fingers. No, you're, you've got to get more phallic with the food you put in your car. in the tape deck. you got cu- cucumbers. Cucumbers. Anyway, this one comes with an extra head. Gherkins. Big head. You could do pickle slices. Pickle slices, yeah. yeah. but mostly you just want to put hot dogs in there because they're the right shape. Or soup. It's got light piping. You're just fucking blinding me with a torch. You're like, hey, Matt, look at this. It's got light piping. All right. Yeah, that's the head for the combiner. Oh, would yeah. soup power a car? Petrol soup, yeah. <laughs> Petrol soup. Yeah. You get in. Wait, wait. Do you remember there's a story where in old Woking someone was banned from all the petrol stations because they were sniffing the petrol and drinking it? Yeah, you could drink petrol. Yeah, it's bad for you though, man. It's fine. In moderation. Do you think it's better or worse for you than white lightning? I mean, have you ever had white lightning? Yet? Think so. Probably when I was fourteen, like the only time anyone drinks white lightning. That's not true. Yeah, university so. people swear by it for some reason. Oh, God. Yeah, I don't go to university because that's Did you not go to university? I assumed you did. No. You're a learned human being. I know. You've made all these robots. Yeah, I learned on the streets. (laughs) You learned CNC CNC robot production on the streets. Anyway, what are you doing? Yo, blood. You've got to use... um, What was the program that I used to use to do 3D modelling? CAD? Yeah, CAD. You've got to learn learn CAD on the streets. No, 3D Max isn't used in CAD design. You transfer stuff into 3D, into CAD from 3D Max, maybe. Um, all right. Your bum's using 3D Max. <sighs> Shut the fuck up, Anne. <laughs> all right. Episode 205 of Chris Apocalypse begins now. Yeah. Yeah. My You're first review. Ago. Half an hour and 11 minutes ago, if you're not. It, where is where is half an hour away from us in like terms of time zone? France is an hour, isn't it, or two? So in France, they've been listening for two hours and 11 minutes. That's not how time works. That's how time works, Anne. Jesus. Time is linear. (laughs) You can't suddenly make up your own rules for time. If someone in America was listening to this right now, they'd be six hours and 11 minutes into the podcast. What were they even listening to for those six hours? That's not how... That's how time works. And just because you want time to work differently... (laughs) That doesn't mean that time does work differently. Are you a moron? <laughs> I feel like you're stupid for having to ask that question. <laughs> I know. Fool, fool on me. <laughs> fool very... on me. <laughs> that famous saying. Yeah. 
Yeah, fool me once. <laughs> fool on me. Fool me twice. Fool on me. That classic saying. Fool can't be fooled again. <laughs> it's up to the audience's imagination to to figure out what the fuck that noise was. Yeah, and everyone go, oh, that's crankcase, the G one trickercon. Crankcase. <coughs> when was he released? Uh, nineteen ninety one. I might fucking die this episode. <laughs> Fingers crossed. You put the dumb shit that we're doing in the background, the audio company. Anyway. Yeah, 1991. Welcome to Crit Apocalypse episode 205. Um, I'm going to start first this week, because we do, we take turns each. Stop playing with your fucking robots, you cunt. Um, I'm sorry, Anne, I, I raised my voice at your robots, and obviously, they don't understand. <laughs> Stop fucking playing what the hell? What are you doing? <laughs> Alright. Anyway, I'm going to start this week by talking about Last of Us, episode 6 and 7. I don't fucking know. And shut up! Stop it! Um, episode 6 and 7. Um, welcome to the to the episodes... I was about to start singing something. Welcome to the episodes that are basically just complete retreads of the game. Just, you know, a little bit of chopping and changing. So episode 6, we meet Tommy. Tommy... Is um the Green Ranger? Yeah, he's dead now. Yeah. Oh, we didn't talk about that when he died. We did. Did we? Yeah. Let's talk about the Green Ranger a little. No. Tommy is Joel's brother. Uh, they've been separated for a little while because uh, Tommy decided to go on his own. Um, and uh, Joel meets him and his new wife. He didn't know Tommy was married, but he's met someone in their new village they've started, which is um, which is like a lovely little town, and. Uh, and one funny line in this is uh, is um, the lady that Tommy is married to, uh, Marlene, I think is her name. She turns around and she says, she says, uh, "Oh yeah, so uh, so uh, we'd share everything. Like people all get involved, and we just sort of like we work together to make sure the community works." And uh, and Joel goes, "Oh, like communism." And Tommy goes, "Nah, it ain't like that." And then Marlene intercepts her new husband and says, "No, it's exactly like that." We're a community that works together to make sure we survive. It is communism by definition. <laughs> and and you can see Tommy's face just being like, oh, no. <laughs> he can't. Oh, oh, damn it. I'm just a seven guy. I don't believe in communism. Um, mm. So, yeah, and uh, and we sort of, we get, we get a, a moment for Joel in which he recognises that he is only human and he has the weight that literal future of humanity in his hands and he is trying to help Ellie get to the Firefly so they can potentially make a cure from her immunity um, and it is wearing on him. We we find out this episode that he he's breaking down with the weight of all of the the things he's had to do and like deal with and in previous episodes we've seen that his age, he is worn out he is, he is tired, he is partially deaf in one ear, like He's struggling to keep her alive. And it's only by chance they've made it this far. And also, it has been at the cost of other people's lives. So he has a, a emotional breakdown in front of his brother. And he says, Tommy, I need you to take her. Because Tommy is it's ex-military. He knows the area better. He used to be a firefighter. Doesn't know what communism is. Doesn't understand what communism is. But it's okay. They don't teach you in that in war school. Yeah. Yeah. War school. Warsaw. War school. Oh, war school. War school. Warsaw. Say war school. War school. 
World War School. War. <laughs> um, but yeah, so he 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 asked his brother, like, please take the weight off my shoulders, take this girl to the Fireflies, and 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 you know do something. And Ellie overhears part of this conversation, but she accepts that you know Tommy is the better choice to do this. And the next day, as Tommy's preparing to take her to the Fireflies, yeah, we don't play as Tommy though; you play as Joel. In the TV show, yeah. I, I, again, I think you're misunderstanding what TV is. Oh. TV is the one without the controller. Ah. Yeah. Well, what's this? That's a Transformer. Ah, sweet. <laughs> it's always a Transformer in this room, man. There is not a non-Transformer in this room. Even you yourself have supplemented parts of your body with Transformers. Oh, shit. I pressed a button on my TV. No, you didn't. You pressed With a button my on your transformer. With my TV no, remote that's a control. No, and look, you've got to stop. Can we get you some help? We'll find someone. Yeah. Yeah, sure. What are you putting in your ears? It's More transformers. Where are they coming from? Just need the noise cancelling to kick in. Just carry on. Need the noise cancelling on your transformers to kick in. What's the one on the left called? What's the one on the left called, Anne? Hmm? What's the robot on the left called? Which what what's the name of the two transformers that you put in your ears? I mean the Samsung Galaxy Buds. <laughs> is that is that the, the name of their their species with the transformers? I don't know how to I think it's Samsung. Sound by AKG. That says Sparkster. Oh. Why are you picking up so many Transformers? Why do you have so many Transformers? I'm just waiting for you to get on with your review oh, about right, okay. Last of Us. You're just going about some Tommy? Yeah, Tommy Tommy uh, is getting ready to take Ellie to the Fireflies. Mm-hmm. And then Joel is his has commandeered a horse and he's like, No, I'll take her. I will continue with this responsibility. Thus returning the story to the original <laughs> making the events pointless. <laughs> it just goes, Yeah, right. No, wait no, I know. conscious. I know. I'm joking. I'm joking, Ant. He figured out Ant He went, you know what, I couldn't this is my weight to bear. And, I won't lose another and, child. And we play characters on this podcast. Do we? Yeah. And we have to... We, we Sometimes we make jokes about the story yeah. to match conservative actual pundits who attempt to review this stuff. Uh, and sometimes they say stupid stuff like, this is pointless yeah. during the progression of the story. Yeah. Sometimes they say that stuff because they don't like and the subject matter. speaking of filler episodes. Yeah. They, they don't like the subject matter and they get confused. Yeah. So I was making one of those jokes. No. I know it was deeply, deeply buried within the actual review I was doing, but I need you to just follow along, buddy. So okay? you've, you've watched Ben Shapiro's review this week. And I have a... I read a conservative newspaper review. Oh, right, of us, And it was mind-numbingly stupid. Yeah? Yeah, we'll get to that in just a minute. Let me let me finish the review, mate. I'll get right back to it. So anyway, so uh, Tommy, Tommy's like, ah, Joel, shucks. And then, like, off-roids Joel and Ellie to go on their adventure, to continue their adventure. Um, and, and, oh no, what happens? Mm. Oh, Jolly Joel gets stabbed in the tummy tums. Oh. Gets stabbed in the tum tums. By the horse? Not by a horse. Oh. The horses don't have knives, although that's a great defense mechanism against mm. infected, because horses kick like a motherfucker. Yeah. You remember John Wick 3? Yeah, yeah, They have yeah. a horse killing John Wick 3. It's great. Um, so, Joel gets stabbed, and, and that ends the episode. So we cut to the next episode. Joel's still alive, luckily. He's, he's still alive. Yeah, that's when he's lying he's, in a bed for a whole Yeah, he's got part stabbed in the tum-tum. Got stabbed in the old tummy-tum. Yeah, shall I spoil what happens in the next part for no. people of you know? Because you don't need to. I'm going to do that now for you. Again, Anne, Anne, one sec. 
Sidebar. We're going to just... <laughs> Are you going to review the episode? I'm going to review episode seven now, because I right. do two, uh, two That's the episodes. one with um, Ellie and her girlfriend. That's right. That's right, Anne. That's from the, from the DLC. Good job. Le- Good job. Left behind? That's right. That's right. Yeah. I'm going to get into that, right? Yeah. So I never played that. You just hang on, bud. This is all news for me. This, this is all new. Okay. I'll take it slow. You'll, yeah. you'll find out. Okay, cool. So anyway, uh, we, cut, we cut back to, in episode seven, Joel and Ellie. Ellie's managed to drag Joel into our house. Give him a bit warm. Still got the gut wound, tum tum wound. Still got a cut in his tum tum. Um, and Ellie is recounting a time when she was trapped in a mall with a love interest, oh. and that love interest happens to be a lady. Now I'm not going to go into details for this episode. I'm just going to say that it almost exactly recreates what happens in the game. Yeah, it is like a nice little side story in which there's in the game there's not a lot of action in this bit. It's mostly you interacting with this other character, but it comes at the end of the video game. So it's like it's like a side story or something that happens in the middle. And and like you sort of just go back to it. So it's before the game. No, it's a prequel, but yeah. the events of the game in in the timeline of the game, this happens midway through the actual Last of Us video game. So it's a flashback within the game. It you wasn't in the game originally. No, it was, but it's DLC. Yeah, it was a separate thing. It was a separate thing released after the game. Yeah. Yeah, but it was... It, it, the actual events are set in the game timeline where Ellie is remembering this period of time with her friend. All right. You get it? You with me? So it's a middle part of the game that was released after the game was released mm. that chronologically happens in a section of the of the actual game, but during that section, you flash back to these previous events. Yeah. Okay. Still with me. Okay. Which happened before. Sidebar. Sidebar. You're right, Anne. <laughs> You're it happened okay. before the game, though. <laughs> You're okay. It happens before the game. It does happen before the game. But the actual events, she's looking for medicine for Joel when he's been stabbed in the tum-tum. Yeah, and that's when she meets that guy played by Nolan North, who's that's a right, pedo. That's right. You were on the right ball. And right. then, like, but, she kills him. But in the game, she just goes from looking for medicine for Joel to meeting Nolan North. But in, in, the, in, yeah. the, in the DLC... We find out there was a little bit more time, but she was doing other stuff. Uh, right? Okay. It's funny though, because like um, Troy Baker's the one who's apparently commonly going after young girls. Really? Apparently, yeah, I think so. Sidebar Rove. We'll get back to that. Sidebar. <laughs> so anyway, so Ellie is on an adventure, like hanging out with her pal. They go to a mall where apparently the fireflies, who we find out are like, are like working in the background. They've they've deemed it clear, and Fedra have actually cleared it prior to the fireflies entering the area. So Ellie's friend has gotten to the age of eighteen, so she would have been drafted into the Fedra army and sent out to go and be part of their their defense services. But instead, she was courted by the fireflies, and they've gone look, join us, and she's agreed. But she's gone back for one last night before the fireflies ship her off to a different place to say goodbye to her friend, potential love interest. You know, there's there's a little bit of a there's a little bit of a. Will they, won't they, are they, are they not? You know, there is, there's a nice little level of, Ellie is clearly attracted to this person and, and in love with her. Like, there are multiple moments where Ellie's looking at her longingly, there's a romantic look to the, to the situation, she's sort of making a move, but it doesn't really pan out. And her friend doesn't really reciprocate in the same way. It's not until the very end where, spoilers, they both get bit. And this is the inciting incident for Ellie finding out she's immune. Her and her friend get attacked attacked and bitten now I'm not going to say what happens to the friend sidebar just quickly again we're not going to spoil the DLC we're not going to spoil the episode we don't do that so what I'm going to do is I'm now going to talk about 
the video game. Got it? You want me to say that she dies? No, 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 no one dies. Okay. All right. They Good. live forever. It's a video game. Good. Man. They're pixels. They don't have an expiry date, mate. All right. Anyway, so uh, back to the podcast. <laughs> and, and, um, <laughs> and <laughs> so, so at the end of the episode, Ellie does return to Joel. She comes back. She's like, Jolie, Joel, your tum tum's cut open. I know you're feeling bad. I don't want you to feel worse. I'm not going to leave you. And so I'm going to come and hold your hand. I'm going to be like, Jolie, Joel, it's okay, mate. You've been stabbed in the tum-tum. Let's get you sore. And she's going to find a medicine. And this is where Troy Baker plays paedophile. No, sorry. No, no, Troy North. Baker, real-life paedophile. No, no, North, not. I don't but, know if he is. Troy Baker, I just, I think he, like, he did something. This isn't liable, people. This is speculation. Okay. And sidebar. Before we accuse people of paedophilia, we should probably be a little bit more sure of really like, you. Boris Johnson. Yeah. 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 Right, back to the podcast. <laughs> so, <laughs> really, we, we should, should we? Sidebar, right? sidebar just quickly over here. <laughs> Let's not make light of it. <laughs> Let's just make sure we know that someone's a beautiful. We're not looking for it. We're not looking for like, you know, we're not gonna, we're not hard-hitting journalists, are we? We're not going to get Michael Jackson back from the dead to convince him to tell the truth. We're not going to do that. We're not that podcast. All right, but, but don't worry. All right, so it was Troy Baker is the one who's into young ladies. I don't know. I'm sure he did something, but... Okay. Back to the podcast. So, regardless of what we just said, we're going to ignore that and move forward. Nolan North is going to be playing this character who is, like, second in command to a big old paedophile boss. We're not in the show, though. It's going to be someone else, I imagine. In the the show, Nolan North is going to be... Oh, sorry. No, Troy Baker is going to play the underling to this this big old, big-time paedophile man who is interested in Ellie. Uh, In the video game, it's notably one of the only bosses... Because Ellie has to fight him without Joel. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but so far, The Last of Us is a faithful retelling of a video game I played 10 years ago. And then again a couple of weeks ago. Um, continues to be to be good. Pedro Pascal is in two of the best shows on TV right now. And that's not distracting because in one, you don't even see his face. And in the other one, he is effortlessly charming. the other one? The Candelorian. What? The Candelorian. Oh, because he wears a tin can. Yeah, on his head. Yeah. The Candelorian. Yeah. Yeah. Just, I saw someone describe watching The Mandalorian after watching Andor, like watching The Thin Blue Line after watching Cracker. <laughs> <laughs> it's like watching watching The Thin Blue Line after watching The Wire. Not Cracker. Cracker? Cracker. Cracker was hard-hitting friggin' drama. No, it wasn't. Yes, it was. Who stole the bickies? What? That's not what Cracker was. What was Cracker? Cracker was a Robbie Coltrane one where he's a psychotherapist who like yeah, helps the criminal... Yeah, always trying to get biscuits. No, he wasn't. He's fucking he massive. Fucking... Robbie he Coltrane's dead. Stop he? being mean. Is he dead? Yeah, Robbie Coltrane died. died. Yeah, he died not is long it, ago. Is the transphobia? No. Cracker's not transphobic. Oh! No. J.K. Rowling wrote a character that wasn't transphobic. There's also an American spit remake of Cracker, oh, really? wasn't there? Yeah. Is it like and the UK um... remake of Kojak? What was it called? I can't remember what it was called. Yeah, had a different name. Um... Anyway, uh, Last of Us continues to be good. Um, so I alluded to earlier that I had read a right-wing review of, of The Last of Us because there was a conservative newspaper that said that said the following, um, The Last of Us is a TV show about zombies that feels deader than its subject matter. Uh, uh, uh. Often they have episodes that sideline the main characters and an interesting storyline to show stories about gay people. Uh, uh, oh yeah, uh. the American version was called Fitz. Cracker Fitz. The American one, Fitz. Was why was it called Fitz? Because that's Fitz, the cracker. His name was Fitz. 
With a Z. Yeah. Weird. Um, but yeah, I, I really feel like conservatives don't understand TV, video games, movies, or any media that, you know, could be considered art. I'm starting to think that after watching several of the Daily Wire's movies. Of course, I didn't pay for these. I ripped them off. Come after me, Daily Wire, you dumb fucking stupid cunts. Um, they're all bad. They're all bad. And it's so funny because the right is eating itself. They've released a bunch of like right-wing propaganda movies. But because Gina Guerrero is now in bed with Ben Shapiro and they're Gina only... Car- Gina Carano. Carino. Carano. Who? Gina Carano. Yeah. That one. The yeah. anti-Semitic. They gave her a half a sentence explanation, didn't they? Yeah. The anti-Semitic woman. Um, she was in a film in which she could beat men up and they were like, this is woke nonsense about a Daily Wire film. Mm. <laughs> it's pretty fucking astounding. Um, anyway, yeah, The Last of Us continues to be great, better than anything anyone on the right has ever produced, including that weird racist Dilbert guy who's fucking lost his mind. You hear about that guy? Lost his shit again? The guy who invented Dilbert thinks he's like the greatest thing since fucking sliced bread. And he's like been being racist again. Again. Is this you trying to do news again? No, I'm just mentioning it. Sidebar. And shut the fuck up. <laughs> And I'm sorry, that was a joke. We're back to the podcast. Um, that wasn't a real sidebar. I've not wasted my final sidebar. How many do I get? I remember when the Drew Carey show was on. I, yeah. When I first turned it over, I was thought, oh shit, they made a TV show about Dilbert. <laughs> but I think there was a live action Dilbert. There was, yeah. There was a cartoon. Yeah, there was a cartoon of Dilbert and there was a live action yeah. one. I remember the cartoon. Or maybe we're both remembering the Drew Carey show. Maybe. Because he looks like Dilbert. Where is Drew Carey now? Uh, Drew Carey was, he had a cameo in Community. Yeah. He, where he had a hole in his hand and he dropped uh, a thing for it. He was, um, presenting prices right, doesn't he, in America? Yeah, he does loads of shit. He's like yeah. the, he is like the, 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 the guy who does like all the game shows and stuff. Because he did the American version of Whose Lines It Anyway, which is inferior to the British version. Yeah. Which is a far better show. Clive Anderson, man. Freaking, he's still alive, isn't he? Yeah, yeah he's Drew Carey's still alive as well. He's 64. Oh, good for uh, him. He managed to get old. He's married to Amy Harwick. Oh, good. No, don't know that is. Yeah. Oh, wait. Uh, yeah. Uh, he did... Yeah, Whose Line Is It As you, Anyway? The Price Is Right. What else has he done? Uh, the Power of Ten. And Drew Carey's Improv Aganza. Oh, that sounds great. That's, that's probably as good as um, Seth MacFarlane's Comedy Cavalcade. Do you know that, that improv thing that was really good was the uh, the Thomas Middleditch and Ben Schwartz one? Do you remember that? They did like a Netflix No, I didn't watch it. It's the sort of thing you'd watch. What are you trying to fucking ben, say? Ben freaking Schwartz. What are you trying to fucking say here? Fucking... What are you trying to say about the voice of Cynic? Ralphio. John Ralphio? John Ralphio. Don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. <laughs> That's my sister and she's the worst. She's the worst. <laughs> um. Anyway, your review, Anne. I'm a big fan of the... Guy who plays Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah, who doesn't like Ben Schwartz? Mm. Who doesn't like... Have you seen his film Blue Iguana? No. It's with Sam Rockwell. No. No. It's in England. I like Sam Rockwell. Do you? Yeah, Sam Rockwell's all Do right. you? He's cool by me. He was you good... like Sam Rockwell, but you don't like Ben Schwartz. I liked him as Zayford Beeblebrocks. You like Z- Sam Rockwell. Yeah. Noted, always plays a racist Sam Rockwell. Yeah. Not long yet. Not long. He's your kind of guy. <laughs> he was fuck number two in Teenage Ninja Turtles 2, Secret of the Ooze. He was... He was he was in the little lair with Elias Coteus. Like, yeah, Elias Coteus. 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 
I will get Elias Coteus to come over and <laughs> tell you three how three different he... ways. <laughs> Coteus, you Coteus. said. Coteus. 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 Dr. Zess, Dr. Zess. Your review, Ed. You underestimate my ability to just call Elias Coteus up and be like, hey, mate, how do you say your surname? Is so that when you were saying that guy, the guy's name wrong? You know, Um Night Shyamalan. Um Night a ding dong. Um Night. Um Night. Yeah. Like Um Bup. Mm. Yeah. I was going to talk about him this week, but then something more interesting was on. What, the, the kids from Hanson? No, Knock at the Woods. Oh. Knock, knock, oh, is he still knocking making films? Knocking yeah. Woods. Yeah, it's got... Uh, um... Do you think they'll let him direct another episode of the Avatar series? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's doing Avatar 2. The Shape of Water. What, are you dumb? Knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door. You dumb. You dumb. You dumb. You dumb. Yes. See? That was a very... Yes. Exactly. See? Why is that such a cam voice? Yes. There you go. No, that doesn't sound right. That sounds like it's a it's different It's not going to cut in the mic properly anyway, but you dumb. Right. Yeah, go on. Do your fucking review, Anne. Right. Anne, sorry, God, sorry, God. Speed up, man. <laughs> Back to the podcast. Uh, I started playing Star Trek Online again. Because <laughs> I was enticed by the picture of Will Wheaton they've put on the thumbnail oh, yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, and also how part of his head is open. And you can see the weird hexagon platform things that lead towards Vija in Star Trek The Motion Picture. And is I was like, what's game? all that about? No, no, it's Star Trek Online, the MMO. The oh, MMO. right, cool. So I've been playing a bit of that. And... Last time I played it, I played as a TOS-era crew member, right? And you start off with a little storyline where you deal with some 1960s-style shit, which is kind of cool, because you've got, like, the enemy is, like, a guy wearing a big fursuit thing, like it was in one of the first episodes of the original series. Um, And you get involved in that, and then you get sent through time to the modern day, 2409, set eight years after where Star Trek Picard is right now, right? Um, But... And then I like started playing it, and I started just doing the Klingon story path, because I think that's the first one. That's the, the starting one when the game came out. And realised I've played all this before. Um, it's, it's fine. It's free to play. It feels really outdated. I remember it feeling really outdated when I played it like five years ago. And then I looked out when it came out, and it came out in 2010. And I'm starting to think, what were games like in 2010? That was like midway through the Xbox 360 era, right? And like, this feels outdated for an Xbox 360 era game. <laughs> um, do you remember how DC Universe felt? Yeah. How that felt like a out-of-date game at the time. It's like that sort of thing. But DC Universe is still going. Yeah, it's on Switch now. Yeah, I should play that again. It's actually really good. I kind of I got, I played it for quite a bit. I remember getting to the Bloodhaven part. It was like near impossible to control with a controller. I got on with it. I was always a speedster. Oh, yeah. When I played it, you just zip around the place and run up walls. It's quite fun. Um, but no, it, it's Star Trek Online, man. It's you know, it's nice. They got loads of the cast in there. Janeway is in there. She'd turn up for anything. Kate Mulgrew, she's fine. She likes playing Janeway. She'd be like, "What you want to play Janeway again? Fuck yeah, I'm in there." Um, you get a little bit of dialogue from Geordie LaForge. Still just as sort of like janky as it was when I played it years ago. Could see they never fixed that. Um, there's other stuff where like you're opening mission because I started this time playing as the modern Federation team. Yeah. Faction, I guess. Are they factions? Not really. I don't fucking know. Do but as soon as you do your training mission, you're just shuttled into the same storylines you'd get with anyone else. With any other Federation ones, it's just the same. So I don't really know the point of having these different eras, because I don't think they have any sort of benefit over the other ones, other than I guess you get a different uniform to start with. 
I guess. But um, the opening missions you get, the captain, his voice is like that you get, he gets assimilated. Because, um, you know, John Luke got assimilated, so your captain has to get assimilated. He like fucking, his voice keeps getting louder and quieter randomly and there's music playing and he can't hear his voice over the music and stuff like that and then suddenly it's really loud. So like, this game's been out since 2010, you should fix that. Some of this dialogue sounds like it was recorded in a phone booth and then some of it sounds like it was recorded like three years later in a proper studio or something. But um, good for that, it's, it's fine. It's fine. Um, I don't like that they call Species 8472 the Undine. That is not canon in the show. It's never been brought up in official... Well, the Undine. They call them the Undine. Yeah. It's Species 8472. Yeah. Um, who will come up later? In this episode? Yeah. The yeah. Undine? Yeah. They're Species 8472. The Undine. They called them Undine in the game. Oh, right. I don't like that name. It sounds I silly. know them as the Undine. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. Remember from so Star- you when re- you were really into Star Trek yeah, Online. Yeah, I was really into Star Trek Online. Yeah. We were yeah, playing yeah, every yeah, day. Yeah, 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 yeah. As a Jedi? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um... What I really like so far yeah. is that this time, when I played it before, yeah. as the COS era, the first ship you get is a Constitution class. You get the, you get your 1960s style spaceship. Shaped like a cross. Like the, no, like the Enterprise. Oh, I think yeah. not like a Bible because it's no. a Constitution cross. No. But when you start as a t- normal era, yeah. you get to start with my favourite class of starship, the yeah. um, friggin' M- M- uh, Miranda friggin'. class, like it's a Reliant. You know, like Khan ship in Star Trek 2? One of them. Yeah. Yeah, I've got to fly one of them around. The okay. one where the warp nacelles come over the edges and it's just like a disc with the warp nacelles hanging off it. I like that oh, one. Oh, right, cool. It's yeah. one of my favourites. I know exactly what like you're talking one. about. No, you don't you fucking... Because you're not a nerd. I am. You try to be cool all the time. You try to go, I don't know, I'm not going to get into Star Trek. So I'm too cool. I but have anyway, tried. Since I played it last, they added another faction. Right? Oh, yeah, what well, one? Yeah, completely different to the TOS faction. It's Discovery Crew. Oh, cool. They clearly added this before Discovery got flung 900 years in the future because the whole thing and is... it's cancelled now, isn't it? It's got one more season. Well, it's probably going to end on that series anyway. Oh, okay. Um, you know. But um, why would they add another team that's basically from the TOS era? What's what's the... I guess you get to start off with a Discovery ship? Yeah. Yeah, that'd be uh, You get boring uniforms? Yeah. Because they gave them good uniforms in when season four. When are they going to get the uh, lower decks... I've got a lower decks. I brought a, there's a free pack. It wasn't brought. It was a free thing yeah. for a lower decks crew thing on your ship. I don't know how to access them. They don't seem to come up anywhere. Does it make your crew animated? No, but it's something. Oh. I don't know. It's something. I think you're supposed to have them as people on your ship that can do stuff. But I said I don't know where they're gone. No, I selected them. But I can't see them. But I want Tendi on my ship. I want my lower decks crew. But yeah, you know, which one was Tendi? Tendy's the um freaking, medical officer, no, the science lady. lady, yeah, yeah, freaking Orion, yeah, she's an Orion, a what? An Orion. That like normally Orions are like they run the Orion syndicate. It's a big crime thing, and the women are supposed to be like super seductive, but then they try to make it a little bit less sleazy nineteen sixties thing by making out they actually had a whole bunch of control over men. Oh right, which kind of makes it worse in some ways, but. She doesn't, because she's all like, it's stupid, everyone thinks that stuff, it shouldn't, you know... Do they come from Alderaan? No. No, because that got blown up. No one comes from Alderaan anymore. <laughs> didn't didn't Luke? Luke Picard? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he used to be a farmer. Yeah. And now he retired, and he's a farmer again. He's got no, a winery. He's a, he's a cyborg now. He's got a winery. He's an android. Don't mention it anymore. Do we not? No. 
Oh, is it no. because he's going to die at the same exact same age you would have died if he was alive? Yeah, yeah. That's a clever. Do you think thing they removed do. all the little tiny bits of Borg parts that are still inside Picard when they gave him that? No, they gave him more. They gave him more. <laughs> they gave yeah. him more. Yeah. They need to make sure that he's more robot. Yeah, more Swedish. Yeah. Um, then uh, Star Trek Online, it's janky as hell. Probably could do with a whole new sequel or something. Yeah. Um, I do like that. There's a thing where you can make up your own alien. It's like a create a wrestler type thing <gasps> where you can put together different ridges, skin patterns, textures, yeah. all this sort of stuff to make your own alien. Yeah. That's kind of neat. I saw some imaginative ones running around. Do you just? Make I just like picked a trill because I like trills. Do you just make them like your shipmates? No, you just make your. That's your your character. Oh, cool. Yeah. So you can oh, create right. an entirely new race. Of person. Do you be like a gelatinous cube? No. Oh. No, they don't really have gelatinous cubes in Star Trek. What about Odo? Odo's a blob. He's a, a fed. He's a, he's a, like, a, you yeah, know, He could founder. become a cube, right? He could if he wanted to. He could be all sorts of shapes. Yeah, exactly. They mentioned why, him on Picard. Why aren't they? Very briefly. Why can't you be Odo? Dead. Can you be an Odo? What? Can you be an Odo? No, no. The Changelings are one of the villains. One of the villain factions. Um, you could be the Dominion, which I don't like that because the the whole point at the end of Deep Space Nine was that the Dominion learned um, humanity from Odo and therefore stopped their whole like, oh, we're going to hate humanity and run over other races. Learned com- learned that you know that, space that solids could be all right. Yeah. Um, and now they just sort of undo it in that game. It's not canon though, even though some people want it to be canon. But they have used some of the ship designs in the shows now oh, okay. because um, I guess they got the CAD files for them. When um, when it was first released, I remember that you had to go through a bunch of really weird steps to become a Jedi. That was Star Trek on Galaxies. That's that's what that was about, released right? in two thousand and one. That's what you're talking about, right? No. Oh, Don't which one are you talking about? Star Trek Online. What's the? Di- is this the sequel trilogy? Yeah, sure. Okay, yeah. right, good. All right, I know what I'm talking about. Oh, loads of ships in it. Yeah, that's nice. Hey. Saw an Enterprise J. Hey. Out of time, I guess. Hey. Did you set your phaser to fun? No. <laughs> no. Um <laughs> That blew you away. Look I don't want to play as any of the bad guy races. Why not? Because it's mean. Why should the Klingons be villains? Why should the Romulans be villains? That's not Star Trek. They can be they can be a lot more than that. That's the whole point. You're All a right. lot more than where you come from. You hear that? Well, I guess Gene that's, and I guess nowadays in Star Trek, the Federation of villains, aren't they? Friggin'. Do you know that Gene Roddenberry was big friends with uh, L. Ron Hubbard? Probably. Both perverts. In the first series of Star Wars, they used to wear skirts. Men used to wear skirts. No, in Star Trek TNG, occasionally you would see someone wearing a scant. It's a scant. What's a scant? A all-in-one uniform with a with a dress bit. Why don't they wear those anymore? Why don't they wear them anymore? Yeah. Because, I don't know, maybe Picard didn't want to wear one. Less knee armour, I guess. Hmm. Whenever Riker put his knee up on, his leg up on the thing. <laughs> he, it's, it's, the way he gets into chairs is yeah. amazing. I, I saw a video, I saw like a compilation of him entering a room and getting into a chair. And he just fucking steps over the back of it like a He's psycho. tall. He's a tall bloke. He's not that tall. I've, I've met him. How tall is he? I've met him. How tall he's is like he? He's like six foot four. No, he's not. He's fucking tall. No, he's not. He's a lot taller no, than you think. I've met him. What's his name? Brett Spider. No, Jonathan Frakes. Who? Jonathan Frakes, director of the Thunderbirds movie. Thunderpants? Thunderbirds. Oh, no. The Thunderbirds movie. Remember the with Anthony one. Edwards from ER and Ben Kingsley? Right. Yeah, Ben Kingsley. He's, was... he's 1.91 centimetres, which isn't 
Six four. It's nearly two meters tall. No, he's not. It's six foot four, isn't it? No, it's exactly six. Six foot, foot three. Exactly, he's taller Fucking, than you'd think. You don't even understand. He's taller than you think, and they have to always make sure Picard's like a bit taller. He wears high heels. Yeah, like Robert Downey Jr. and Iron Man too. Yeah, where he's wearing flares in every scene because he stands next to Pepper Potts. What if Patrick's taller than Tommy? No, it's because he wants to be further away from her weird smelling vagina. Do you remember when she sold the candles? Yeah. Yeah. And you say that you live smelled your of life her vag. Like a candle in the wind. She smelled she sold candles Coming that smelled like her vag. When the rain comes in. Anyway, Star Trek Online. Yeah. Yeah. What's that meant to fucking mean? Yeah, shot some Borg ships. Yeah. They did indeed. Janeway we met Janeway. Who? Met Janeway. Who? Admiral Admiral Janeway. Have some respect. She brought her her crew home from the Delta Quadrant. Went further out into space than anyone has ever gone before. Have some respect for Admiral James. Wait, wasn't that the tagline for one of the series? What? To boldly go where no one's gone before. It's the tagline for like all of Star Trek. Oh. And she went further. Yeah. And no she one's goes, ever gone before. Yeah, yeah. Seems like ladies get it done, doesn't it? Yeah. Girl boss. Girl boss. <laughs> Girl boss. That's what she's famous for. <laughs> yeah. Hashtag girl boss. She popularised the term girl boss. <laughs> seems, seems a bit... There's the episode where she's on the bridge and she gets... <laughs> she goes... <laughs> she stops the Klingons. She goes, listen. And Garrett Wang, yeah. who plays Harry Kim, was like, guess you're girl bossing it today. <laughs> and she's like, I'm going to get that on a mug. Yeah. And they sell girl boss mugs. Is that when? Is that when the rhetoric stopped being... You're a bit sassy, or you're a bit bossy. It just became she owned it. She was like, "I'm girl bossing it." Yeah, good. And then that allows her to do what she likes. And then the patriarchy, which defeated. is when her morality can go all over uh. the place. Because Janeway's morality is a bit all over the place sometimes. Chaotic evil. Yeah, she's chaotic. She's chaotic neutral. Let's give her chaotic good. Chaotic. She'd good. flip a dice to decide whether someone lives or dies. She may have teamed up with a genocidal maniac at one point, but it's fine. Who hasn't in that time? Right. You know, who right. hasn't? Sometimes, you know, you need to team up with a genocidal maniac. She let Leelix stay on board the ship when, I mean, who would? Neelix? Yeah, and she killed two Vicks. That was funny. <laughs> Fuck him. <laughs> Fuck two Vicks. Murder. <laughs> I was glad they killed him. Who was two Vicks? It was the one where Neelix and Tuvok got merged together in the outfit, and everyone has this whole philosophical debate about it. Was Tuvok the little one? Tuvok's the Vulcan. Oh. Neelix is the guy who's the alien that they bring aboard the Talaxian. And they merge together, and then it's like, well, do we f- fix it so they can be both, you know, the original two can be back? Or, but in doing that, they have to kill Tuvix, who's a new person, entirely new person. And it's like a moral dilemma, isn't it? But I think really they had to kill Tuvix because Tuvix was irritating. Anyway, your review. Okay, all right. My next review, um, and I did it. I went and spent money, and I bought myself a PSVR 2. No, you didn't. No, I didn't. I went to go see Craig Robinson and the Nasty Delicious live in London. Oh, sweet. It was uh, it was really good. It's f- part of the Just for Last festival that was going on last weekend. Um, I bought tickets at the last minute because I have... Um, I'm I'm on a website where you get, like, press tickets. You just, like, sort of... You, you just... Um, you just uh, request them. And then you go on the website and use the voucher code and you can get the tickets. Yeah. I had to pay a little bit of money to reserve my seats. But uh, but it was it was really good. It was really good. Well worth it. Craig Robinson. Craig 
David the Robinson. The Craig Robinson. The Craig Robinson. Um, from such films as Pineapple Express. Yeah. Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Yeah, that's a TV show. But The the film programme, TV show, whatever. Yeah. Um, he was also, he's been in, he's been in a few different movies. Like, uh, do you remember the ill-fated movie by the whitest kids you know? No, okay. Right, whitest kids you know the movie? No, they didn't do, it wasn't whitest kids you know the movie. It was, oh. uh, it was a movie that they yeah. wrote. It was yeah. written by Craig Zegler, who also wrote Barbarian. You know? Yeah, what are you getting on about anyway? What's... Anyway, so Craig Robinson has a band called The Filthy Delicious, uh, The Nasty Delicious, sorry, and they came to London for one show. One show. And guess what? It was really fucking fun. I had a lot of fun going to it and watching it. And did you come with me? No, of course you didn't. <laughs> you don't like coming to stuff with me because you think that I am a monster. And I am. I am a monster, Ant. I'm a monster. Every month on a full moon, I transform into a lycanthrope. And you just won't fucking shut up about it. The villagers have stopped chasing me, so it's fine. They don't know where we live. I don't look the same when I'm out on a full moon. Why make such a big fuss out of that? I don't know, Anne. I just feel like persecution has to stop for the werewolf folk. Yeah. Anyway. Um, Let me talk about this Craig Robinson fellow. Yeah, so I got distracted and then I looked at my phone and I got more distracted. Yeah. Um, so Craig Robinson, he's, he he predominantly stars in comedy films. He's done a few different <sighs> series. He did Ghosted with Adam Scott not long ago, got cancelled. He's got a new thing, um, Animal Control, in which he like plays a guy who goes to Florida. He gets paid to kill snakes. What else was he in? What do you mean? What Hot else Tub Time it? Machine 1 and 2? You seen Hot Tub Time Machine 1 and 2? I've seen Hot Tub Time Machine 1. You haven't seen Hot Tub Time Machine 2? No, 1 was enough. <laughs> that was the tagline for two. Yeah, was it? <laughs> yeah, it's like what was enough. Yeah. But here we go again. <laughs> Great. <coughs> um so Greg Robinson, he has like a jazz like R and B band that do like like covers basically. Um but they do covers intersped with like random crowd moments and stuff like that. He's very good at working a crowd. And they, they do like a few different things, um, just like crowd interactions. It just it's it's a comedy show, but it's a comedy show with like no no strict sort of um, no strict sort of um, timing or regime. Like no structure, no structure. That's the word I was looking yeah. for. That's the word I was. Yeah. Like, well done, Nancy. Look, I this is how sidebar. Ant, good job there. Thanks for the save. All right, back to the podcast. All right, cunt, listen. No, the um, taglines for Hot Tub Time Machine 2 were the laws of space and time are about to be violated. Again. And soak harder. What? Yeah, soak harder. Why does that sound like some weird phrase to activate some fucking <laughs> Sementurian candidate somewhere? Don't ask me. Say it again? Soak harder. Oh, right. Before it made it... You, you sound like you were just saying soak harder, like Ocado. No, soak Harder. Soak harder. Because they're in a bit top, hot tub. Ah, oh, I see. I see. Is Crispin Glover in the sequel? I can't remember. Spoilers, he's not. No, he's probably drunk again. Yeah. yeah. He's off his tits. Off his tits. Anyway, um, so Craig Robinson comes out, does does a few songs here and there. Really, really good atmosphere. It wasn't Craig Robinson near... came out. That was quite a big deal for the... Why? <laughs> What's out? wrong with gay people? <laughs> What's wrong with gay people? Huh? No, no, no! Come on! What's That's the joke a big there? Thing What's the joke him? there? A big step for him. Why is it a big step for him? Because Why is he not allowed to be gay, Ant? <laughs> what? What is wrong? <laughs> Fuck it! You say you're an ally. I like to see you try and defend the words you just said on this podcast. 
you cut this out, it just sounds like I'm saying, what's wrong with being gay? <laughs> That's our sound funny. Um, anyway, so yeah, Craig Robinson. Um, yeah, really lovely guy. Came out, did a bunch of jokes. One of the things that got to me the most was like the really infantile humour. There was a moment in which he was doing a song where it was just audience participation. So it was like, he was like teaching people to romance. So he was saying some, stuff like, I adore you. And then like the people, the audience would, would, would copy what he said. And then he got to the last line of the song and he goes, he goes, I want to suck some dick tonight. And he's like, this is the guy section. And one guy in the front, in front of Craig Robinson, quite loudly went, I want to suck some dick tonight. And Craig Robinson stopped the song. And he went, you're the only motherfucker who said it. He said it. And it's like everybody else was like, oh, no. And you were like, ah. <laughs> I shout myself laugh because it was just—it's a very famous American comedian doing a doing the most fucking infantile joke ever. But just on stage, seeing Craig Robinson go, "You were like oh, oh, pantomime a blowjob." What's pointing at a guy? Fantastic, great stuff, good stuff. Um, I could have seen Ryan Reynolds and Rob Delaney. I went to go see Craig Robinson because that was more appealing to me. What's Ryan Reynolds doing here? He was doing a thing with Rob Delaney because they had like. Obviously, they're both in Deadpool 2, and Rob Delaney is an actual comedian, and Ryan Reynolds is apparently funny. <laughs> no, yeah. I don't mind Ryan Reynolds, like, in all honesty. I know it's, like, it's like straight of the line, like, white people shit, but I actually don't mind Ryan Did Reynolds. Did he think stuff. he was with, hanging out with um, no, he Rob McElwain? He? he came out and he went, he went, my balls! And everybody went, oh, very good, very good. <laughs> I got punched in my balls! Do you think very he good, just thinks he's hanging out with Rob McElwain? Yeah. yeah. And they work doing the Wigan Town FC. Wrexham. 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 Wrexham in Wales. Club. Wales. Not Wigan. Wigan. <laughs> Not Wigan. I don't know football clubs. <laughs> you don't need to. These are towns. Yeah. <laughs> this is geography. Wigan. Wrexham. You you were in a place that also starts with W. Wigham, Wrexham. The same thing. It's not much different. Wigham. Whatever. Wrexham. He hangs out with two Robs. And yeah. I don't know if he knows the difference. You don't. You don't think Ryan Reynolds, two multi, Rob Mooks, multi-millionaire Ryan Reynolds. You don't think that he knows the. He difference. doesn't need to know the faces. Yeah, that's true. Um, anyway, so Craig Robinson comes out and he does like some covers, as I said. And there's like a lot of audi- audience participation, and it was just a really fun time. It's like Actually, a really- is he the one who's got the thing where he has trouble remembering no, people's faces? Pitt. It's Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt, yeah, yeah. I see, yeah. So uh, Brad Pitt also beats. He was apparently like domestic abuser. Like, yeah, he's very bad with Angelina Jolie. Well, you might think they're an intruder if you've got that thing where you don't recognise people's faces. That's true. That's yeah. true. Yeah, and she's also related to John Voight, so everybody gets like that, like slight because it's in her DNA. You got to be concerned, you know. Um, but anyway, so yeah, uh, Craig Robinson. I don't think he's going to play the UK again. I couldn't find any tours that he's previously done in the UK or any like information of tours he's previously done in the UK. So I think it is just like a just for laughs thing. So he might be recording a movie here or something. And then agreed to do this on the, the side. The goods too. Pardon? The goods too. Ah, oh, yeah. Maybe without Jeremy Piven. I tried to. So I went with I went with Livy, and I tried to explain to her the scene from The Goods Too, in which he plays a DJ, and it's near impossible to explain to someone that this bad, really fucking terrible film has one good joke in it, and it's yeah. Craig Robinson being on the roof of a parking like the well, car. The joke park. is his DJ requests, and no one tells DJ requests what to play. No, the That's joke a is good joke. The joke, the joke is that he is clearly having a mental breakdown and not leaving the roof. And at one point, someone requests something, and he goes into an inner monologue. Yeah, <laughs> they're trying to test him. They're trying to make DJ requests play a song. <laughs> what? What is that? What is the? What is the they actual- will try to test you. They will try to push you. <laughs> 
they they will try to test you. They will try to push you, but you cannot relent. You must not. You must not relent. <laughs> Good job, bud. It's like, I know, buddy. <laughs> It's, DJ request. It's so fucking good. Um, but yeah, so um, so yeah, it was just a really fun time, and I. It's a shame that because the show was on at eleven p.m. in the O2, near where no one lives, and the station near the O2 stops running trains at like half twelve, so they were still playing when we left. We had to leave early, which just is a walk. shame. Pardon? Just walk an hour to Waterloo. Yeah, where the only train that I could have got is. Within that half hour window from half twelve to one. Yeah, because could spend the night in what in London. Do you know how expensive it is to spend a night in London? No, just wander around. I mean I could have. Walk along the Thames. Not a young man anymore. Walk along the Thames. You can get home walking along the Thames. Walk along the Thames, Ant. Yeah, you, you think there are paths all the way yeah, pretty much. from London yeah. to Woking. Yeah. yeah, pretty much. I think you're a fucking insane person. I could I could walk it. You reckon you could walk it? Yeah. And I'll give you a tenner if you walk it. A whole ten pounds. Ten pound? Yeah. Sweets. <laughs> ten pounds of sweets? Yeah. Yeah, if I get to pick the sweets, because they're going to be aniseed balls. No one can eat ten pounds worth of aniseed balls. Do you like aniseed? Oh, I do fucking love aniseed, man. <laughs> I remember when I was a kid, I had five quid, and I bought five quid of aniseed balls. Why? It was a penny It was a penny of bull back then. So I had, fi- I had 500. The bull market was I down. had 500 aniseed balls to work through. Yeah, weapons grade of seat. my life. There you go. I've got a walk path here. Ten and a half hours. All right, from, get on it. From the O2 Arena to Woking. That seems fine. You go through Kingston on Thames. Through Peckham, Greenwich. Yeah, I could do that. All right, okay. All right, I'll pay you a tenner if you do it. Ten and a half hours, yeah. I'd, I'd be in London by, like, fucking midday. My shoes will be what? I need new shoes if I'm going to do that, though. I'll get you some new shoes as well. That'll be part of the deal. You can have a pair of yeah. new shoes and 10 quid. Oh, anyway, sorry. Craig Robinson and the Nasty Delicious. If you get the chance to see them, it was actually really fucking fun. And I really recommend you do. And if you do get the chance to go see them, um, just fucking just let go. It is, it is a lot of fun. Interact. Don't just be sitting there in your seat looking miserable. It's like people are singing, people are dancing. It is, it is like audience participation in the show. And it is like... Really, the fucking musicians. One of the things that one of the things that I was saying to Libby when we were in there is all the people that he has in his band are fucking incredible musicians, and like they're clearly having a great time as well. At one point, the saxophonist, like Craig Ronson's going, going like, "Show the men how to do it," and the like, the saxophonist is like just going like like playing a tune, and he goes, "Oh yeah, you know what that means, guys. All right, play it again for them." The saxophonist is cracking up. <laughs> And he goes to play, and he just has to stop and he walks away from the stage and comes back, giggling to himself, and then starts playing the same note again. It's just fucking incredible. Um, but yeah, um, Tom Atkins, uh, it see. was... Lakeisha Benjamin, Ethan Farmer, Chris Robb, and Craig Robinson. There's, like, another seven people you're missing on that list. Well, that's all the names they've got on there. American on what? On what? Wikipedia. Wikipedia? Yeah, there's Star four Wars. pages in this category out of four. Members of the Nasty Delicious... There's a jazz player lady, Lakeisha Benjamin, who is, uh, she's performing Missy Elliott and Alicia Keys. Right, anyway, what are you, um, are you done? What are you doing now? I'm waiting for you to start your fucking review. I just I gave it a Tom Atkins. Done. I just gave it a Tom Atkins. And I just said the two words that lead 
that are a quality sign of approval for this podcast. It means that someone with taste and intelligence has reviewed this thing well. Now, why don't you just jabber on about something for a few minutes? Sidebar, sidebar. I was a bit mean. I didn't mean to say it like that. I'm really sorry. Back to podcast. Hurry up! (laughs) Get on to your next review. Craig Robinson the Wreck has voiced characters in Shrek Forever After and The Bad Guys. Oh, yeah? Yeah. And he's in An Evening with Beverly Lufflin. Yeah, with uh, um, Aubrey Plaza. Yeah, it's actually, it's actually I remember he was in Zack and Mary Make a Porno. Yes, he was. Yeah. Really good film. Yeah, I like the bit where um, what's-his-face from Clerks gets shat on. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, isn't the line, it's the woman they're interviewing, isn't it? And she goes, she he goes like, how do you feel about anal? And she goes, oh, no, I hate anal. Oh, wait, no, oral. I hate oral. I love anal. <laughs> like that. It's like, great, great, fantastic. Yeah. Right, uh, I played a game called Road 96. What? Game called Road ninety six. Road ninety six. Yeah. Road oh, 96. I thought you said Rogue ninety six. Fucking get the you got shit in your ears. Yeah. Oh, okay. Cool. I'm just making I'm sure. I'm into shit play now. Yeah. <laughs> a shit uh, in my hands. Right. Road ninety six is set in a world where, after a terrorist attack in the mid eighties, America or this it's got a different name in the game. I forgot what it was, but is now run by a sort of fascist tyrant type character. And you play as a series of anonymous teenagers who are trying to cross the border to get to freedom. They want to get to a new life. They don't like this whole thing. There's an election coming up. A lot of people think the election's rigged. And the way it works is that you play a series of about one hour long segments where you're on the road and you meet characters along the way. You have interactions with them. Um, you've got to manage your food levels. kind of like uh, the Oregon Trail. I was going to say Oregon Trail. <laughs> But the it's good like, version. Yeah. yeah. But um, you have to make your way across the border if you can. And you, there's all sorts of things that will happen along the way. You'll meet all these weird characters. Some of them are kind of dangerous. And, you know, there's one guy who turns up who's like, you know, possibly a killer. who has got a messed up thing. His daughter was killed in the terrorist accident. And he's been like wallowing in hatred the whole time. Um, or you'll bump into the sort of mouthpiece of the sort of TV propaganda station. Who's like this absolute like dumb angry Texan woman. Um, but it's kind of interesting because the way it works out is when you play as like one character, you start playing as another character who's also on a journey and you might not make it to the border. You might pass out and get arrested by the police or something. You can die, apparently. I haven't died yet because I'm really good. Um, but the whole game is framing around, like, you know, what is your politics on this situation? What would you do? What would What stances would you take? Would you attempt to, like, nudge people in the direction of voting for the candidate that's you know, potentially better for the world. There's a mm. candidate called Flores who's represented as the sort of democratic leader who wants to end all the sort of tyrannical sort of um, totalitarianism that's going on in the city, in the con- in the country. But um, you can do stuff like, you, can graf- you know, graffiti on posters for the person you don't like, or you can talk to people and influence their sort of their political stances and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, it's an interesting, interesting game. I've, I've done, I haven't finished it yet, but the way it all works is as you lead towards the the point where the border is that you're going to cross over, which is where the terrorist attack happened, where part of a mountain was blown up and it collapsed and killed a whole ton of people. You find out like you know who was behind it, whether they were actually really a real terrorist group, or whether it was something that maybe was set up in order to give this guy power. Um, 
you know, you get ways across the border. There's a truck driver who's moving something. You don't know what it is. And you sort of get, you know, imagine gradually you'll find out what it is. I imagine he's probably trying to smuggle people across the border. Um, but there's all sorts of stuff like that. Like when you get to the border, you can go talk to some people and pay them to try and take you across. But I didn't have enough money. So they left me in the middle of the woods with security guards around at the border. And I met some other guy and had to run across the border, ch- getting chased by cars and stuff through the forest. Which is kind of nuts. Yeah. That's quite fun. Uh, managed to escape. Got the guy out as well. Oh, nice. nice guy. Um, on another one, I climbed over the mountain. Like I just went up the mountain and climbed the whole long way around, along the ravines, and mm. jumping between places where people have clearly already passed through before, where they've set up like beds and stuff like that on the way. Oh, right. Like in like they do in the US, for the people crossing over yeah. the border from Mexico, they leave like water stations. Yeah. But you sort of, you can try and hide in the back of someone's truck and things like that as well. Try and get across the border. Oh, cool. But um, it's supposed to all lead up to, like, a day, election day. Yeah. And when you finish the stage, it'll show you what's what's happening on election day. There's riots and fire and all this sort of stuff going on. Like, some bad shit goes down at the border, it looks like. Um, but, yeah, it's it's quite an interesting game. It's incredibly janky. But it's only made by, like, 15 people, and it's quite an ambitious game for that. Because I can tell already there's a lot of permutations of the story. And let's say, like, when you when you meet a character and you've done their story, it tells you how much percentage of that character's story you've played through. Yeah. So, like, they can obviously go all sorts of different directions based on the stuff you say to them and how you interact with them and feel if you give them something or things like that. Um, one of the characters got arrested in one I was in. They'd hitched a ride in the back of a car with this couple and the police turned up and you're trying to be cool and the police get suspicious and drag her off. Don't be suspicious, don't be suspicious. Yeah, that's what happens in the game, yeah. Yeah, yeah. they sing the song. Um, the second one, I think, was set up to screw me over, though. I didn't have um, any money, so I couldn't buy any food. Yeah. And the only food I came across all the time was a mouldy burger. And it tells you at the start that you shouldn't eat mouldy food. But I didn't eat it, and I couldn't hitch a ride, and I couldn't get a taxi... So my only option was to walk to the next destination, which drained your health. Mm. And that was enough to drain me down to no health. And the next destination was like a fast food place yeah. where I passed out and then the police got me. So my second one, I got arrested by the police. So that ended that guy's run yeah. early. But I think it set me up for failure there. The fact it wouldn't let me call for a taxi or... Was it like one of those things where you're meant to fail that section or could you survive? Possibly. I think there's a way around it. I think if I get the mouldy food, you can get around it. But I think it makes you sick later, I imagine. Oh, I'll have to try yeah. it on one of the runs. Whenever you start a new stage, it's like you get a pick of three different characters to go with, and they've all got different health, different money, hmm. and all that. Um, if you learn a skill, the skill carries over to the next character, which is the only sort of like gamey thing that carries over. So if you figure out how to pick locks, you can pick locks from then on with the other characters. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's just an interesting enough game. It's on Game Pass. they got a prequel coming out. In yeah, the, I saw the prequel. It's like... Road Zero, yeah. um, Mile Zero. Yeah. Which um, that's out in I think next week or something. But um, yeah, it's, it seems all right. It's decent, decent, interesting little thing. Like I say, it's a bit janky just because it's made by such a small amount of people. Like the animations are very sort of rough, and you know, lip sync's not exactly the most in most perfect or anything like that. And mm. it uses a lot of um, sort of a lot of the areas are very narrow, so you can't really go off anywhere. It's all. They've they've definitely managed their budget well enough to make sure they don't get too ambitious. They've kept it fairly even linear. though. Yeah, even though you're journeying across America. Um, there was one bit where I was like, I was in this car with a guy and they just stopped talking and the only thing to interact with was the glove compartment 
And I was like, I don't want to open the glove compartment because, like, that's rude. You're in someone else's car. Yeah, that's weird. But I had to do that to trigger the next part of the story. You triggered the Um, I sat there and let it play for a while because I thought if I sat there and let it play, maybe it would, like, go to the next part of the game. But it didn't. But no, no, you have to actually do the, you have to open the glove compartment, which is rude. You shouldn't do that when you're in someone else's car. It's weird, doesn't it? There's not giving you some level of freedom on that one. Yeah. But I might have shut off another option for a story by saying the wrong thing. So who knows? Who knows? Maybe that was my only option. So is it that versatile? Yeah, it's pretty, pretty crazy what you can do. Um, I got involved in a robbery (laughs) twice. Nice. Um, but I always screw them over, (laughs) which is, uh, what I do. You just report them to the police. Yeah. They're they're not going to learn, but it's fun just to mess with them. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I did something where the security guards come in, and you have to you're in the security room, and you're trying to guide them through this building, and I get them locked in. <laughs> um, but you know it's fun, mess with them. But um, yeah, it's alright game. It's, nice, it's on Game Pass. It's apparently it takes about ten hours to play through each chapter okay. entirely. Um, but I imagine it's one of those ones where you can just replay it again and get different stories each time. And you know, fun. Collect up music cassettes, all sorts of songs. Every level is named after a song from the nineties. Okay. Um, I've had like ones like Smat, "Smells Like Teen Spirit" and "Bad Habit" and all this sort of stuff. But um, the songs you get aren't from the nineties. They're all just like new songs, and they don't sound like they belong in the nineties. But I guess it's like a version of the nineties that didn't exist because it's like a weird sort of totalitarian version of America. Oh right. Imagine so. if America was a bit right wing and totalitarian. Like it is. What? <laughs> but no, it's alright. Give give it a go. Um sort of something that reminds me a bit of like um some of the bits in Life is Strange when you're just going off. I was gonna say it sounds very much like a Life is Strange. Yeah. It's alright. I reckon it's got a potential to have some sad stuff, but I don't know if you'll connect with it too well because everyone's a bit janky and road weird like I've seen They all it. move I, in that video gamey. Yeah, I've seen it advertised. I haven't had the chance to play it. Um I, I let my game pass lapse. Oh, no. Because I just wasn't playing it enough. I Bill was... Gates is going to come for you. Yeah, probably. I wasn't playing it enough, and I was playing more of Dead Space and the Switch than I was of the Xbox, so I just let it lapse. I'm just going to re-up it at some point. I was considering doing it when Atomic Heart was coming out, but then, like, the whole fucking... That game looks like a shite. Yeah, it just doesn't look good enough for it to <laughs> it's justify. It's like edgelord bullshit. It does. Um, did you see... Someone did, like, a... Someone did a video that was going around on Twitter the other day, and it was... They were playing it, and it's like, take that gearhead... And the girl just pauses the game and goes, I'm fucking done, right? The dialogue's been bad, but I am giving up at take that gearhead. Come on, guys. We need to be better than this. And she just shuts it down. She's just like, Good. I'm not fucking playing it again. Fuck like, that Can't blame her. Cannot blame her. More streamers should be prepared to fuck a game off into the ocean. <laughs> yeah. That's um, what Limmy does. Limmy will play a game for a while and he gets to, you know, fuck it in the bin. And it's gone. Play something else. Well, and then, or, or he'll just start watching Surprise Surprise on YouTube for, for a week. Well, is it my time to review a film? Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. Fucking. So, Aaron, um, I'm going to go for another t- five hours. Are you going to sneeze? <laughs> Can you not? What? Sneeze? Or whatever that was. <laughs> oh my god, Jesus. Try not to. Um, People have to listen to this in the years. I saw a movie. Now, yeah. I'm going to give you a hint why I saw it, okay? Yeah. Da 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 one, J.K. Rowling is a capitalist, not recommended. Second one, trans rights to human rights, not recommended. Third one, there's British people in the game. 
all valid reasons to not buy yeah. the game. Um, oh, actually, side note, speaking about Hogwarts Legacy. So um, I listened to the podcast Filthy Casuals, which is like Australian lads doing a podcast about video games. Yeah, right. They're all comedians. And uh, it's it's the same well sometimes they're guests on that show you remember the one with Boys in the Wall and we did the um, we did the Wind and Back the Wind and Back music video I showed you where it's um, Ben Russell going Wind and Back <laughs> he does the, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah so um, the Filthy Casuals they are a podcast for free lads is that you reviewing no 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 I'm just going to have a quick chat about Hogwarts Legacy oh. they, all, they all have various degrees of familiarity with Harry Potter and two of them bought the game. Have any of them got their names in the credits of a Harry Potter game? That's not something you should advertise to people anymore, Ad. No. <laughs> oh, no. I did say to a customer that, um, you know, I used to get paid to play a Harry Potter game and they'd have to pay me to play another one. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure a lot of the people streaming on Twitch have been getting paid to play I think it. so. I think yeah. so. Um, it Video looks, gamer TV. To I me, see you. To me, it looks exactly the same as fucking that's Forspoken game. Like the combat and stuff. I'm more interested in playing Forspoken. I am as well. I am as well. Yeah. Because at least I don't have to put up with transphobia. Um, but anyway, yeah, so they bought it. Two of the two of the members of the podcast bought it. And they, they said, like, we understand that it's, like, bad because, you know, who J.K. Rowling is, but we wanted to play a game and we record, we review video games. So what we've done is we've bought the game and then we've also donated the same amount of money to trans charities. Just play it. <laughs> well, if they want to play it, they want to play it. It's just one of those things, isn't it? You have they, to make- do they ask a trans first? A trans. Did they ask a trans a if they could play? Trans. Yes, yes. Fuck That's the know. sort of thing they say. I got permission from a trans. No, they just donated money to trans charities in uh, place of buying the game, uh, um, and then one member just refused to participate because he said morally he couldn't really enjoy something like that. And I, I agree. agree. It'd be dog shit because it's Harry fucking Potter. Well, yeah, but I also I do agree. Like, and you say that it's it's Harry fucking Potter and like it's a kids thing, but like I fucking love the Zelda games and they are squarely aimed at children. Zelda games has like a million times more interest in everything yeah, than I know, Harry Potter. I know, but they are still kids games. They are still something that can be enjoyed by children. It's for children and adults, but they are charged. I reviewed fucking Puss in Boots the other episode. Yeah, Puss in Boots has far more interest in lore. It does, but it is still <laughs> something that is intended for children. So it's children and adults. Anyone can enjoy anything, but it's just a case of... Give me a friggin' MMORPG of the Owl House. Oh, Owl House is kick-ass. Have yeah. you watched it? Some of it. Oh, so good. Um, but anyway, An sorry. Adventure Time MMO. That oh, that'd be amazing. Movie. Yeah, I want to be Jake the Dog. No, I want to be Candy. I want to be... Like Cinnamon Bun. Yeah. Oh, no, Jake. <laughs> I want to be those fucking elves. Yeah. The ones that make grannies explode. <laughs> every time you say no, we're going to explode a granny. Yeah. No, every time you say whoa, we're going to explode a granny. <laughs> Jake just rounds him up and puts him back in the fire. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, sorry, so um, I saw Creed 3. Yeah. It's really good. If you like Rocky, but you hate black people, probably avoid this one because it's not got Rocky in it. And it's Michael B. Jordan and John Majors. Is this the first time Sylvester Sloan's like he refuses me in this one because one of the producers has um, decided that they want to do a Drago film, but they didn't consult him, and he's obviously the original creator of Rocky and the property, and he's like been fucked over by the producers, so I don't really blame him for separating himself. Sylvester Sloan fucking hangs around way too long in every franchise. Yeah, but like at least in Creed Two, he had something to do. A lot of people don't like Creed Two, but he he does have a lot to do in that film. 
Mm. Um, even Creed One, he has lo- loads to do in Creed One. Mm. And like Rocky Balboa was a really good film. Like basically, it's a good series, and he's created a really endearing character. And it's a shame he's not in this one, but it doesn't make sense for him to be. Because it is solely a film about like about um, Adonis Creed's sort of journey. So, um, so this is Creed Free. For anyone who isn't who isn't aware, this is the ongoing story of Adonis Creed, who is who is Apollo Creed's illegitimate son. Um, in the first film, we see that he comes from like various boys' homes. He's been like sort of been in in foster care for a long time of his life, um, and he um, wasn't aware who his father was. But um, but Apollo Creed's wife, his widow, has found out that Apollo had this illegitimate child and and found him and adopted him. And, and sort of helped him with his life. And he's, he's like got a fairly good career, but in the first one, he gives it all up because he wants to become a boxer, like his dad. And he goes from an amateur boxer who's self-taught to training, like his father did, and going and having a, a big bout, using his dad's name, living up to a legacy, but at the same time, forging his own. Yeah. The sequel, Rock Creed 2, was about him sort of righting the wrongs of the past, where Ivan Drago had killed his father in the ring. He was challenging Ivan Drago's son. And it was basically him confronting the fear that he would die in the ring like his dad, but at the same time sort of living up but to... But he didn't because there's a Creed Free. Yeah, well, that's what we're going to get to. So Creed Free, in Creed Free, Adonis has retired. He was a world heavyweight champion. He's retired. He's decided that he's now going to train people like Rocky did in Rocky V, the worst Rocky. And um, and in doing so, he is... I'm not saying Rocky V isn't the worst Rocky film. I'm just saying it's not as bad as people say it is. No, it's worse. Um, so Adonis has decided he's going to manage people and he's managing a new up-and-comer when Jonathan Majors enters his life again. Jonathan Majors plays a character called Damien who was also in the boys' home when they were younger. Ah. Now, Michael B. Jordan in this one um, reveals that he was he was potentially molested by one of the one of the people that was at the boys' home, one of the older, one of the, the workers at the boys' home and one night when him and Damien are out joyriding in a car, he confronts he confronts the person who molested him. He beats the shit out of him. And Damien pulls out a gun to defend his friend when more people turn up and they go away. But the problem is that Damien, who at the time is like an up-and-coming amateur boxer in his youth, is then arrested and put, sent to prison for 18 years. He's now out and he is Jonathan Majors, who is in spectacular shape and looks utterly terrifying in this. It kind of makes you think that in in um, Quantum Mania, he should have just been in a fucking thong because that would have been terrifying to see. Just Jonathan May just ripped, like fucking shredded like lettuce, running towards Paul Rudd and just beating the ever-loving fuck out of him. Um, but in this, he, he, um, he manipulates the situation so that he has a shot at the title. And he does so by first asking Adonis if he can sort of get some help rising up the ranks. He charms Adonis and says like oh look, I did this for you don't expect anything back I just wanted to see how you were doing yeah. and and he sort of just worms his way into the life and then it's eventually- a form of abuse a lot like what he suffered at the yeah, school. yeah he abuses him emotionally yeah. he uses emotional manipulation yeah. to get his way um, and then fingers his bumble and then fingers his bumble um, but no it, it's really really fucking good Michael B. Jordan directs this one and he has a slightly different style to Ryan Coogler. So Ryan Coogler has a lot of 360 camera work in the boxing matches. There's a lot of kinetic movement of the camera. It's sort of it's it's a participant in the fight as much as it is like 
you know, well, um, no, boxing matches are between two people. So. Two cameras. Two cameras. Yeah. No, two cameras. Out. What do you think a boxing match is? You take two cameras and you smash them against each other. That's a boxing match, right? That's Robot Wars. Fuck! I've been watching Robot Wars all these yeah. years. Yeah. So why was Mike Tyson beating up a robot? Craig Charles was over there. Going. Why was Craig Charles beating up a robot? Um, so yeah, Creed Three is again. It's it's a film that has a legacy behind it. So it is very much trying to forge its own path. And I think that this is the closest it's come to actually saying something new. It doesn't have any of the baggage of the Rocky series apart from Adonis himself. The rest of the film is free from that. And it is, it is about Adonis himself. It is central, his character. He's not living up to his father's legacy. He's not helping Rocky fight cancer. He's, he is himself, you know, struggling with his own past, but then at the same time, challenging that history. Do any characters ask where Rocky is? Yeah, all the time. Do they? Yeah. Whenever he's not on screen. Yeah. And then a little message comes up and says, Rocky went back to his home world. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Really, really interesting. And I I, I feel like, although Rocky's missed in this one, because there are sections where he could have been, could have been like an interesting influence, um, I also think they didn't really need him. So it's like, there's like some scenes where it could be that he would be in a good emotional foil some of the stuff that's happening. But um, but yeah, for the most part, he, he isn't. He needs to do a film with Rocky and Ivan Drago have a rematch. Well, that's... I want to see those old people fucking... So, <laughs> yeah, you want to see Grudge Match 2. <laughs> you want to see Grudge Match 2 with Stallone and, Stallone and De Niro back to boxing. It's in their wheelchairs just <laughs> ramming into... <laughs> with their zimmer frames <laughs> out. Um, really, really good film though. It, it, in it being directed by Michael B. Jordan, there is some change to like the action and the way that fights are shot. Um, especially the last fight, like a lot of people have said that there's like Naruto scenes that Did he's you watch like, the um, clip of John Majors talking about Michael B. Jordan showing him anime. Yeah. And my John Majors is like, I have no idea what the fuck is. He's yeah. like, yeah, the battle is like internal, but there's like this battle on another level for him. And he's trying to like intelligize it as much as possible. But you could tell he was just like, what the fuck is this shit? Michael B. Jordan's like, he, he was showing him Naruto. Nerd. He was, Definitely showing him Naruto because yeah. Michael B. Jordan's like fucking his anime tastes are terrible. He's he no, he's just a big nerd for anime, mate. Like he can. He I can bet watch that bitch has never watched fucking Three by Three Eyes or fucking Devil Man or fucking. Nobody wants to admit to watching Devil Ran Man. My half. No one wants to admit to watching Wicked City. Devil Man's awesome. Devil Man is a lot of sex though, Anne. And Wicked City's awesome as well. It's a lot of sex though, isn't it? Cyber City Oedo Eight Oh Eight. It's fucking a lot of sex though, isn't it? What? Sex in all of those animes. Not in Cyber Cyber City, Weed Away to Eight. Yeah, there is. No. Nah, there is. And fucking Uritsuka Doji. There's sex in that. Yeah, there's a lot of them. (laughs) What was the figure the Overfiend? That's (laughs) Uritsuka Doji. Oh, right. (laughs) Is that what it is? Yeah, Legend of the Overfiend. It's all sex in that (laughs) film. It's all sex and demon fights. Yeah, demon cocks. Yeah, demon fights. Yeah, there's that one where it's set in the 1940s and the Nazis have created a torture machine. What? To um, get demons. What? That's the second one. They're really weird films. But that's what Michael B. Jordan's probably never watched. He just watches narrative. Anyway, I'm going to give Creed Free uh, Kate Blanchett. It's it's a really good film. It's a classier affair than you might expect. Jonathan Majors um, continuing to be the best thing in like everything. I, I think that Lovecraft, Lovecraft Country might get like a second win. Do you because when he was our Prime Minister? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I do, when he was yeah. fucking eight years old, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, 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 of course I do. Um, yeah, fucked Lo- Edwina Curry. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, Lovecraft Country, really fucking good. Really, really good series, and it's worth checking out if you like Jonathan Majors in this and in and in um, in Ant Man: Quantum Mania. Just like he elevates stuff he's in. He's just he's he's doing a lot with these characters that he's getting given, and he's not wasting any of the opportunity he gets on screen. Um, Do you think over the course of all the Marvel films he's going to be in, there'll come a point where he realizes what films he's in and stops giving a shit? Yeah, he's already stopped giving a shit, hasn't he? <laughs> That's when performances hit their zenith, I think. When someone doesn't care in the slightest. I'm trying to think of a film where someone gave up caring. What's that um, romantic comedy Chris Evans was in? Oh, oh, what's your number? Yeah, is that it? Yeah. Where he just doesn't give just a shit. Just doesn't care. Fucking can, could not give a shite in yeah. the whole thing. Just gives up. That's what, that's what you want. More of that. There's a TV series of Arnold Schwarzenegger coming out. Really? Yeah. He's like some hitman or some shit. I don't know. I saw an advert. He's doing TV now. Arnold Schwarzenegger's going to have a TV career. Great. Thinking and your of, review? Thinking of old muscle men. Yeah. Anyway, Star Trek Voyager Season 3. Oh, what was it I mentioned earlier was going to come up again? The Gorn. No, it wasn't the Gorn. I mentioned something was going to come up again. I don't know. Anyway, but Star Trek Voyager Season 3. Where we left them off at the end of Season 2... Yeah. The Kazon are taken over their ship. Yeah. Dropped them on a desert on a sort of um, environmentally unstable planet. Earth. No, it was a, it was a, that would have been really helpful for them, After to be honest. Earth. They would have really liked that. After. No, it's a desert planet. You've anyway. Got to control your fears. And they have to like figure out how they're going to survive because they might be stuck there forever. But then there's like, you know, the holographic doctor and a psychopath played by who's the guy who, um Brad Dorf? Brad Dorf. Brad Dorf. Yeah. Um, Son of Stephen Dorf. Yeah. One of the guys. Was it Stephen Dorf? From Blade? No, the older one. He plays crazy people all the time. Chucky? Not Chucky. That's Brad Dorf. Who's the other one? Stephen Dorf. Yeah, is that the older he one? He played. No. <sighs> Brad Dorf is the guy who does Chucky's voice. Yeah. Right? Stephen Dorf. Is is um, the bad guy from Blade One, the Blood God? All right, Victor Frost. Thinks Brad Dorf. You think it's Brad Dorf? Yeah, from Chucky, Child's yeah. Play. Yeah, yeah. Would have been about those late forties around that Star Trek. What Voyager. are you talking about? Yeah. What are you? What are you even but saying? Anyway, he's on the ship. He's a serial killer. Yeah. That they sort of ended up with. What serials does he kill? Um, Captain Crunch. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you don't get Captain Crunch anymore. Oh, right. Cause he but anyway, so they, they saved the day. Voyager got yeah. back on the ship. Good for them. And they continue cool. their journey, and they get out of Kazon space. Seska's dead. Good for her that she's dead. Because she sucks. Mm, what you say? She's got a good villain, actually. She's all right. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so they're continuing adventures as they travel along. Um, along Star the way, hopping. you know, some stuff happens. There's an episode where um, Harry Kim and Tom Paris get put in a weird prison, and it's like in a sat- it's like in a space station. They so can't get out of it. They're trying to figure out how to get out. There's like stuff they've been implanted that gradually makes them paranoid and insane, so everyone gets gradually more violent. Insane which is brain. like the prison's way of making sure the population doesn't get too high because they'll get insane crazy and in the brain. they'll get crazy and kill each other, won't they? Nah. And it's like that's the Voyager's trying to get them out. All of they there. need is Jesus. Um. That's the second time Tom Paris gets accused of a crime he doesn't commit, because um, that happened in season one as well. And when he was a part um, of the A-team. 
there's there's some really good episodes in this series. We get um one with um Janeway and Chakotay. They um what was it that happened to them? They got like a virus or some shit and they're going to, you know, it's contagious to the rest of the crew so they have to be dropped off on a planet because they can't stay on board the ship because it, you know, did kill everyone if it stayed on. So they have to start building a life on the planet while the crew are moving on and trying to figure out a way of, you know, curing them and how long do they keep trying to find a cure because, you know, at some point you have to give up and they don't. They go back and they save Janeway and Chakotay but it's one of those episodes where it hints that Janeway and Chakotay having a romance. That's an alright episode, that. Um, really good two-parter midway through the series starring Ed Beagley Jr., and Begley, Begley, and Begley, and Begley. Sarah Silverman. <gasps> this is the episode I walked in on. Yeah, where you were masturbating furiously because the Doctor was in it. Doctor Who. Robert Picardo. No, Doctor Who. But um, that's a good one where he's this guy. You know, time ship turns up. They get dragged into it. They end up in like um, sort of early twenty first century Earth, which I guess now, sort of. Um, no, actually, no. They end up in nineteen ninety-seven. Oh, right, cool. It's one. I think it's the only episode of Star Trek time travel episode where they end up in the exact same year. It's broadcasting because in even though there's an episode of the original series set in the sixties, it was a different year. It was like a couple of years later. Anyway, um, yeah, and he's got this future tech, and he's running. He's been using future tech for decades to run this massive tech corporation to put himself as the Bill Gates of Earth. And they have this whole problem where it's like, well, our history books show this guy was responsible for a whole bunch of technological advancements. We kind of... So, was that really what happened in the past? Or did we cause it? And all this sort of stuff. Oh, right. Parallels and stuff. You know, time paradoxes and shit. Parallelogram. Um, But it doesn't matter because they just blow him up in the end. So that's fine. Just blow him up. But that's a good two-parter. Good to see Janeway and co. getting out and about. They get a bit of sunshine. Must have been nice to... Walk around outside. I've got a feeling that episode happened. No, it wasn't that one. There's a point in the series where they don't go on the set much for a couple of episodes on the bridge. Yeah. Because the bridge burnt down. Oh. They accidentally set fire to it when they were blowing it up in well, one in real life. Yeah. Oh, yeah, so they couldn't use the nice. set. They had to rebuild the set. Um, but that comes up at some point. Um, but no, it's just a, it's a good series. Lots of fun episodes. Um, there's another, there's another one where they have a fucking alternate reality. They keep doing... There's loads of this. Timeline resets and alternate realities and shit. It keeps happening all the time. There's an episode with a Q. Jonathan Frakes makes a cameo in it. Which is, you know, quite neat. Good for him. Frakesy baby. Yeah, I think he directed that episode as well. He directs a lot of episodes of it right yeah, yeah. here and there, doesn't yeah, he? His first episode he directed was TNG. He's one of the best episodes of TNG. You know, hats off to him. And he which directed, one did he direct? Um, the one where Data makes a daughter. For himself, oh. and then she dies at the end of the episode. Fucking Daisy's daddy date. Similar episode um, with Robert Ricardo, where he, the doctor, decides he needs to learn empathy a bit more and how to have a better bedside manner. You know, understand what people are going through and all this sort of stuff. Yeah. So he makes a holographic family for himself uh. to go home to. So he goes to the holodeck when he finishes his shift. Mm. So he goes home, and this program's running where he'll have a family, but he's made them like all perfect and nice. And Balan is like, this is bullshit. Let me fuck with it. So she does. She puts some parameters in to allow some randomization. So they start, you know, having the kids misbehave, things like that, knock on effects, all this yeah. sort of thing. Then he comes home to them. It's an absolute disaster. And then eventually his daughter dies. So that's a pretty harsh episode. Um, his daughter, like, friggin' 
she plays um, Parchisi Squares, which is a sport that was established in the end in TNG as being quite a dangerous sport that oh people play in the future. Yeah. Um, and she ends up banging her head and they can't fix... <gasps> but she's a hologram. But oh. the Doctor stops the programme and is tries she... to avoid being there for her to die. Is she hard light? Well, it's just a hologram. It's a hologram thing. Hard light's a red dwarf thing. Oh. But, um, yeah, so he avoids it and then Tom Paris is like, you know, maybe you should just, like, stop avoiding it. You wanted this experience and you wanted it for research, so you got to experience it. And the episode's end with the daughter just sort of pleading, sort of saying... You know, she's scared. She just doesn't want to die. And all this sort of stuff. And her family's just like fucking. Rob Picardo's like, I made this family, and this kid's dying. She's not real, but fuck. Yeah, this is this is hard. Yeah, really harsh ending for an episode. Yeah, nice to have a. I like the Star Trek episodes that end sad. Like Orville's really good at that. Ending an yeah. episode in a Orville really is, dark, sad yeah. way. Orville doesn't really earn it in the same way. That- no, Orville does. Fucking Orville's. Really? Yeah, season three of the Orville's. Oh, some, season three. I haven't got that far. Season three of the Orville's some of the best science fiction that's been on TV in years. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely superb. It's the best Star Trek. But, um, no, great series. And the ending to the series is the big one with the Borg. It gets in, it gets like, they get hinted at a couple of times. Yeah. There's an episode where they, um, find out this planet was attacked and they By find the these people living underground. They don't know who attacked it. All right. But at the end of the episode, they find a Borg corpse. <gasps> and then, couple of episodes later they come across a um, a race on this planet and they help Chakotay out and it turns out that they're former Borg that have been broken off from the collective. Oh right. Um so they can still like communicate with each other as a collective, but they haven't got the in their own little mini collective. But they're all like all their Borg parts have Dropped you know off. come away. They've, you know, repaired themselves and deborged themselves over the years. But there's like a little civil war going on and they kind of force Chakotay by using the link to um, basically force the entire planet of people that are on there to be all part of one collective so they wouldn't fight each other. And Janeway's like, we can't help these people this way because that's bad. We can't force them to all be, you know, linked together in this whole collective. Because they're like broken off. They're only part of the collective if they choose to be part of it. But um, yeah, then they trick Chakotay into it. It's a pretty dark episode. It sounds dark, Ann. But um, then it builds up to the Scorpion, the finale. The what? Scorpion. The what? That's the episode. So this is one where they um, they encounter the Borg, uh, by a bunch of Borg cubes. They realise they're heading to Borg space, hmm. but they see there's this passage through it where the Borg just don't seem to go. So like, we're going to head to that. That can't be bad. Like, why would the Borg not head into a past space? But, you know, don't worry about it. They don't question it. And then they find 15 Borg cubes come flying along, and they just, like, go past them, scan them, and then fuck off. And they're like, that's a bit weird. Borg don't usually do that. Like, Borg would usually be, why is there a Federation ship here? You'll be assimilated. Your consciousness will be added to our own. And, um, you know, all that. But it doesn't ignores them. And then later on, they find the 15 Borg cubes, like, trashed. Completely destroyed. And there's, like, one organic vessel attached to the side of one part of the remains. And this is where they introduce Species 8472. Who in Star Trek Online are called... The Udon. Undine. 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 Yeah. But um, they haven't established their shape-shifting abilities at this point in the show. But it's the first appearance of an entirely CGI alien race on Star Trek in 1997. That's quite, you know, it's quite big for then, isn't it? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, gr- granted, granted, Babylon 5 had a CGI race of aliens that happened to use pretty much the same skeletal structure as the uh, 
a Species 8472, who were made by the same special effects studio that did the shadows in Babylon 5, and they may have just used the same rigs and just retextured and textured them differently, gave them a different model over the rigs, which caused them to move a lot like the ones on Babylon 5. Okay. It's just a coincidence. Okay. It's not... This, they didn't They didn't just copy the model over. Are you sure, though? Yeah, maybe. Okay. I don't know. But, um... Yeah, that's that's kind of a neat one. And also, Captain Power and the Soldiers of the Future had a CGI character in it. That was the first TV show with a fully CGI character in it. In Captain Planet? Captain Power and the Soldiers of the Future. Oh. He had a character called Sauron. He was like a metallic bird creature. Wasn't he the eye no. in Lord of the Rings? No, no, no. But he served like that sub, you know, he he flew over the city and caught anyone who was doing bad, well, doing stuff against the boss's rules. Captain Power, you should watch Captain Power, it's kind of fun. Okay. Yeah, it's kind of neat. Give it a go. Yeah, it's very, very I will give it a go at some point. But, um, yeah, it's a good series. That that Scorpion part two is where season four starts off, which is what introduces seven of nine. Jerry, you get Jerry Ryan. Fucking Jerry Ryan. Jerry Ryan. Yeah, hot as fuck, man. Who's Jerry Ryan again? Seven of nine. Oh. Yeah. She was that hot girlfriend Charlie had in um, Two and a Half Men for a while. Mm. Is that not narrowing it down for you? No. <laughs> no. Blonde. Tall. Big boobs. She was in Dark Skies. Do you remember Dark oh, Skies? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Jerry Ryan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dark Skies. Great film. She's in Picard, a seven of nine. Yeah, okay. All right. Wait, wait, wait. She's in season in four. But not in this series. Yet. She's not in this yet. But, okay. but, you know, it's a decent series. Um, Voyager doesn't always have amazing episodes. Some of the episodes could be a bit wobbly at times. Like it's like they rarely hit the peaks of TNG quality. Every now and again, they do. The one with the Doctor's Got a Family is a pretty great episode. You know, and there's the odd one here and there where it, like, it really it does go up a little bit. But most of the time they do best when they're doing really, really weird shite, which is something they um, do quite often, or some sort of adventure-themed episode. There's one in Series 3 where Kess Kes gets possessed by this um, alien dude who transfers his consciousness into different bodies when he's nearly dead, and he transfers his consciousness into Kess... And he's like some tyrannical warlord from this planet. And he got exiled years ago. And he's been trying to take it back. So Kess turns into a warlord for an episode. And just starts like kicking all sorts of ass. And then it sort of builds up to Kess like, you know, psychic beating the shit out of him inside his brain. Oh. Scaring the crap out of him. It's quite cool. But nice. um does mean Kess gets to wander around wearing like leather clothes for a while. Good for her. Um, she's She leaves in season four, two episodes in. Because um, Jennifer Lean was drunk, um, it's just a coincidence that she left and they brought in Seven of Nine. You know, just a coincidence. But no, it's, it's just good series, good stuff, some quality stuff. I like, I like any episodes where Neelix and Tuvok hang out together. The comedy gold. Uh, the Doctor's still great. There's one episode where Kess is travelling backwards in time. Yeah. From later in her life, she had some disease. Or she had like the final stages of her camp and life where their memories start going and they try to use a temporal timey wimey treatment to send her to like fix her brain so she could live a bit longer. Mm-hmm. But it like sends her memories back in time and she starts remember she starts getting younger and remembering the thing that happened to her in the future and trying to figure out how to stop herself from keep hopping back in time because eventually she'll turn into a baby and then nothing. 
Yeah. Um, kind of complex. It's it's time moving in two different different directions. Yeah. It's that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, that's a kind of clever, fun episode. That one. Quite like that one. Big bit. Yeah. You know, it gives Kess something to do before she leaves the series. Good for her. She gets to do one episode where she gets something to do. Yeah, because they really they were running out of ideas for her. Really, she was just a resident psychic person on board. Wasn't she an empath? No, she's got psychic powers. Hmm. Troy's an empath. Oh right, that's the freaking the freaking whatever the Troy is. I can't remember what they're <laughs> not their races. They're empaths. Yeah, freaking not trill. Beta Zeds. Beta Zeds. Yeah. Yeah. Beta cucks. Yeah. Beta cucks. Yeah. But um, no, I like I like that episode as well. It's good stuff. You know, Star Trek Voyager. Cool. Yeah. 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 I know what you mean. Four more seasons to go. Four, five, six, <laughs> and seven. Um. Yeah. Can get there. All the wacky stuff. I wonder six how many time. more times they'll reset the timeline. Oh, at least six or five. Six or yeah. Seven. They do it a lot. It's really... It's getting pretty silly. I know the next... Kess reappears in an episode in season six. They sort of brought her back for one episode. And that's a time travel episode that resets a timeline. So, good stuff. And they reference in that episode with Kess, they reference the year of hell. It's a thing they said they were building up to. Yeah. Because that was that was originally going to be the plan for the season three finale. Was it was going to be hell. Year of Hell, where they just go through shit for a whole year. But it ended up being a thing, I think, in season five, I think it happens. Um, but, um, yeah, they mentioned it in that episode, and it was sort of like setting the the stage for something that was going to come up later. It never did. Well, it does. It does come up later, but obviously in a different way, because Kess isn't on board the ship anymore. But, oh, no, not Kess. But they do recreate a couple of scenes that you see from the moments that are meant to be in the Year of Hell later on. But... um. I'll get to that eventually, because I think... Was it Kirkwood Smith was the villain in that? You keep mentioning Kirkwood Smith as if you know who it is. You know who Kirkwood Smith is. He's Bodiger. Bodiger, yeah. I'm pretty sure he's a villain in that. Yeah. I can't remember. Um, fucking Jonathan Reese davis was in an episode. Which one's the racist one? Is it Reese davis or is it... Um, what's his name? You know Jonathan Reese davis from Sliders. Yeah, I know. It's either him or... Um, or... Who's the other fat English bloke who does... Has a deep voice. The one who was in fucking Flash Gordon. Brian Blessed? Yeah, Brian Blessed. He's not racist. I think it is Brian Blessed. No, Brian racist. Blessed's like fucking chill as fuck. Okay, well, that yeah, might yeah. be Jonathan Reese Davis. No, racist. Jonathan Reese Davis, I think, is fine, isn't he? I think one of them's a racist. He's in, he's in the new Indiana Jones film. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but one of them's a racist, basically. Um, no, I'm pretty sure he's fine. <sighs> Jonathan Reese. You're spelling Reese wrong. I can't even see it. You're going to try and slander someone. A great British actor. Mr. Reese Davis has done Muslims as a service by portraying them as an invading barbarian horde. Right, I mean, that's just... Yeah, shut the fuck up. He's got a beard. Shut the fuck up. So, he's played... Look, I know my racists. What British theatre actors haven't played Muslims at some point? With brown face. Ben Kingsley won an Oscar doing it. Ben Kingsley is Indian. Okay, maybe just uh, Fisher Stevens. Fisher Stevens is in English. Yeah, he's English. No, he's not. Fisher Stevens is English, and he went brown face in the short circuit. You films. think Fisher Stevens from yeah. Short Circuit Two? I mean, he's not British, Hackers. but he speaks English and he's white. Oh, he's not English anymore, is he? No, but he went brown face to play an Indian. American actor, director, producer, and writer. Does it say Indian anywhere? 
No, but the first picture that pops up, I think, is him in brown face. <laughs> like, uh, recently. Why is he doing that recently? <laughs> I like the way that you go, um, why is he doing that recently? <laughs> he was the bad guy in Hackers. He was, that's what yeah. I said. And he was Iggy in the Super Mario Bros. movie. Yes, he was, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. I know Fisher Stevens. Don't you fucking... What else was he in? Challenge me on the Fisher Stevens what else was he in? Absolutely fuck all. No, that's not true. He's, he's in... No, he's in a film called Absolutely Fuck All. Um, I'm going to guess Virtuosity. Apparently he was in Short Circuit 1. Yeah, he's in Short Circuit 1 and 2. He plays an Indian in both? Yeah. Racism. He's the guy who created Short Circuit. Racism is And he does a quick Indian accent. Racism is so fucking and loads, wild. And loads of Indian people don't realise he is an Indian. Really? Yeah. They find out later and they get shocked about it. Because his like Indian portrayal was apparently so accurate. I don't wanna I don't wanna scare people here, but even as a child I knew he wasn't Indian and that's no, fucking surprising. You fucking liar. No, I you did. Absolute liar. No, I did, because I had friends. I lived in predominantly like an Asian area in Woking, where it was all like flats. I lived over in Morton Court. And it's mostly it's mostly like sort of People from all over the place. It's not really a ton of like white British people there. It is like different cultures, and like the Dutch, like the Dutch pricks. Um, and and my friend's dad, <laughs> my friend's dad, when Short Circuit was on TV once, went, "We don't watch that." <laughs> and I wondered why. So when you're a kid, you say, "Oh, why? I like that." I like Short Circuit. I like the Indian guy. He's really funny. <laughs> and he told me he was like, he was like, this. it's uh, it's it's a guy in it's a guy in face makeup pretending to be like Jackie Chan in Who Am I? <laughs> he plays a Native American. He plays a lot of people in that. Does he? Yeah, that's the whole point of Who Am I, isn't he? Because he has all these memories of different times. He doesn't know who he is. I just remember being a Native American. Yeah, there's that whole bit. Yeah. All right. Is that your review? What was our review? I don't fucking care. Voyager season three. <laughs> there you go. How was it? No, um, solid. All right, cool. Solid. Which is, I mean, yeah. it's better than you get on most Star Trek nowadays. So, surprisingly, Star Trek Picard hasn't um, shat the bed yet in season three. I'll give it time. Give it time. Well, it shat the bed season one. It's just languishing in it right now. That season two was that. It's still season still two was it covered in shit gun. I didn't shit the bed. What are you fucking talking about? Make it so. <laughs> Alright, anyway, so um Number one, I appear to have soiled myself. I have shat myself, Riker. <laughs> Come clean me. Data, tell me a story of a man who shat himself. Oh shit. Um alright, so I I'm gonna talk about the biggest film release of the last two weeks. Yeah. We're going to get a lot of views, a lot of listens from this. This is your last review. It's my last review. It's a really important film that's come out. Talking of racism, man, this is a film that challenges racism. Oh, did you watch Green Book? It challenges challenges our idea of what what arranged marriage is and then how the world handles religious, religious people and religion. That's right. I saw the new film, What's Love Got to Do With It, starring Lily James... And what's that? Um, Ken Fandango from Toast of London. I can't remember his what's name. What's that? So. Pakistani, Indian, whatever it was, martial arts film that's coming out soon. British one. Oh. It's a British film about a Pakistani teenager who does kung fu, and she has to free her sister from an arranged marriage to like a cult like family. Fucking amazing! Yeah, I saw a trailer. I can't remember what it was. All I right. need to find. It. I need to look it up. So Lily James plays Zoe, 
and Shazad Latif plays Kazim. Kazim. Kazim? Plays Kazim. In a film directed by Shaka Kapoor. I'm probably butchering Shaka this. Shaka Kapoor. Shaka Kapoor. Yeah. Um and and it is so the it, it basically um basically Shaz, um Kazim is agreeing with his parents to go and be arranged married married because that is part of their religion. They they have decided that's what they want for him and and he is doing it just to basically keep them happy. He's doing it as as a way to appease them because he although he doesn't believe in arranged marriage, he's willing to go along with it. And he sort of throws himself into the situation. And Lily James, Zoe, she's a, a young lady unlucky in love. She just can't find Mr. Right. She is swiping right on Mr. Wrong, Ant. Ant? Swiping right on Mr. Wrong. Swiping right on Mr. Wrong. Oh, you're doing the... Um... Doing a joke about dating. Mm. Um, I'm pretty sure that's one of the taglines for the film. So... um. So she she is a documentary filmmaker, so she's going to document his journey as someone who's predominantly grown up in Britain, going through what is um, what is a Pakistani ritual to to get married as in an arranged marriage, and um, and this film has got quite a lot of good reviews. So what I'm going to say is going to be shocking, but it's a dog shit movie. <laughs> It's really bad. Oh. Like, it's not bad in a fun way. It's called a rom-com, but the main actors have no charisma with each other and don't really have any jokes. The any jokes, jokes are left up entirely to Emma Thompson, who is chewing scenery like it's gingerbread, and she hasn't found out that she's a 60-year-old woman yet and is just eating all of it. She consumes every scene... And is just so charismatic and interesting to see in everything she's in in the film. Why have you got such a crush on her? I have a big crush on Emma Thompson, but that's besides the point. She is just... Somehow, she is rolling through this film effortlessly stealing all of the thunder from two people that have no sexual chemistry. They have no chemistry full stop. At one point... So this is this is another thing that's... Whoever shot this film has no fucking idea what they're doing with regards to... Well, it might be the editor that does colour grading. I don't know. But there is a scene... So, once they go to La Her... La Her? La Her? La Her. La Her. Once they go to La Her, the screen... The colour grading is all done with, like, a yellow filter, right? Yeah, because that's what colour is there. That's like how Mexico's is. orange. Yeah. So, it's all done mm. with a yellow filter. But there is a scene in which she's interviewing the... Interviewing um, Kazim about his upcoming nuptials... And midway through the scene, the screen suddenly slowly wipes over with a white filter. And it's yeah. not, it's not like, it's not like thematically linked to the question she's asking. It just, and like it, like it's like, you know, like old QuickTime videos were loading off the internet. And yeah. every so often it would go a little bit slower and you'd have like an image left over where it was just processing. Yeah. It's like that, like the white filter literally as the scene is playing out. The scene doesn't move. There's no, there's no one moving on screen. The, the filter just goes like that slowly across. So it goes into a white filter. And then, like they've realized they've made a mistake and they were meant to, it's suddenly a blue filter, very partial blue filter goes Are you sure over. that's not someone fucking up the projector. No, no, because you can't do that with a projector. Yeah, you can. What, in a cinema? Yeah, I could do it. 
You think they have a function to change the colour grading of the film? Yeah, you just pass the gel over the front of the projector. <laughs> you think he's up there? Someone put a I'll freaking Quality Street wrapper <laughs> over the front. It's, it's, it is jarring to see a film. Because this has a budget. Like, they travel to these locations. And like I said, like, Emma Thompson's in it. Rob Brydon was apparently in it, but they edited out the scenes or... He was left on the cutting room floor. I think he was probably going to play Zoe's uh, dad. But he's gone from the film. He's not nowhere to be seen. Um, and then also, Asim Chowdhury, who right now is a fairly prominent, you know, UK comedian. He was in People Do Nothing. He was in Taskmaster. Yeah. yeah. He's really funny. He's in it for two scenes. And in those scenes, he says dialogue that you'd probably expect to hear from a Jim Davidson fucking comedy routine 20 years ago the whole film feels like it was written 10 years ago and then and then whoever directed it just had no idea how to direct yeah, a rom-com it's Polite Society that's the film I'm trying to remember the name of what, what do you mean Rhea Khan believes that she must save her older sister Lena from her impending marriage after listening to her friend's help she attempts to pull off the most ambitious of wedding heists it's like a freaking a British Asian kung fu movie that's coming out soon okay cool. it looks fucking rad it sounds awesome um, but this film is fucking terrible. No. Like, it's so hard. Firstly, the pacing is fucking completely all over the place. Like, the start of the film, he's talking about yeah, how... You have a rant. Oh, God. What do you mean? You're going to have a rant. You're going to have a rant. One of your classic rants. What is your problem? Today? Why do you hate romantic... Right. Sidebar. And what's your fucking problem today? What's going on? You're right. You're I've right? decided that I haven't seen this film, but I'm going to defend it. <laughs> right, well... Calm your tits, all right? Because it's, it's a perspective on Asian culture you don't understand. Calm down for a second. Yeah. Right? Let me yeah. give a bit. Out. Like Miss Marvel. Yeah. You didn't understand yeah, that's that. Exactly yeah. That's exactly what this is. Back to the podcast. Um, it, it has. There's no charisma from the two leads. No. There is like continued stories that are more interesting happening in the background. The parents of Kazim are fucking incredible. They're really good actors. They have interesting things to do. One of the storylines that you that, that you get to hear about is that his sister is has been pushed out of the family has been has been like sort of um, what's the word I'm talking about exiled exiled from the family thank you Anne. exiled from the family yeah, because I'll be the word haver you're the word haver today um, you're the Fionnosaurus <laughs> she has been exiled from the family because she married for love. She oh, wasn't in an arrangement. She met someone, she fell in love with them, she got married. And the people in the family are all like, it's sad, we've got a granddaughter that we'll never meet. We've got, in one instance, the grandmother of, of this girl is still there. The great-grandmother would love to meet her, her great-grandchild before she passes, but she can't because they've exiled this person. And they've exiled this person because of some religious zealotry that you, you can't leave the family. You can't have your own autonomy you have to be part of a arranged marriage. Even though they say, we don't mind what you choose to do, they are having an extreme reaction to this one person not choosing the thing that they want them to choose. Oh. It's so weird. And then anyway, the end of the film, because I'm just going to fucking spoil it, she makes a documentary about it. it. All these secrets come out and she has an interview with the, the daughter that was exiled and the, it doesn't show the family in a good light. And they're all quite upset with it, but at the same time, like, it makes them understand that, yeah, okay, maybe we're not living our truest selves. Kazim, who is emotionally manipulative throughout the film, quite a horrible person, like, he's not really portrayed in a good light. And the fact that he's, like, bullheadedly running into this relationship with a 22-year-old girl he met over Skype. How old is he? He's 31 in this, but in real life he's, like, 38 or 36. 
Are you doing the half their age plus seven? Yeah, I think that's fine. Yeah, no, is it no, it's, no, not, it's, not, no it's not. No, it's not. No, no, no. Um, twenty-three, isn't it? Yeah, um, about twenty-three and a half. And it's and and she turns out she's in love with someone else, and it feels like that was meant to be a plot point that they've just chopped out the film because they actually there is a scene where she's like telling him, "I want you to read this," but instead of telling him, she takes her phone once it's dinging, puts her thumb on it. And then hands it to him as if that is enough for us. And then he sees the text messages Sherlock style ah, so, appearing yeah. on screen. This and it the just. Thing where he's like. <laughs> with his hands. He gets, and then the words suddenly, appear. suddenly he gets movie autism. No, he does the thing with his hands. <laughs> yeah, and the words he gets appear, movie autism. And he's like figuring out the thing. But it's like. So. So. And, and it feels like it's meant to be like more of a thing. Like it's meant to be we meet the person she's in love with. Or it's meant to be indicated that maybe she's gay. Like there's some more to you it. Need, you need to be showing it. No, show, don't tell, Anne. Just that one rule. Always. Always, always show, don't tell. Always, always show, don't tell. Always. Save the cat. Those are the rules in the book. Fuck the cat. <laughs> but, like, it, it's like she shows him the messages and then suddenly he's like, oh, what do we do then? And they just get divorced. And then he turns up at the house and he's like, I divorced her. And their parents are like, oh, no, what happened? He goes, she was in love with someone else. I've been lying to you. I smoke, I drink. I'm not a virgin at 30, 31. Sorry, mum and dad. And it's like, okay, fine, whatever. You know, it's like, hey... Oh, that's elephant, okay, and he gets I'm to stay in the, in the family. Well, no, so by him revealing those secrets about himself and his family accepting them, suddenly they're okay to see the exiled child because they've learned. Lesson. Lesson. Yeah, that's good. They've learned. They've learned that... I hope that, that exiled daughter's like, fuck you. Yeah, I would. I would be, if I'm honest. I'd be yeah. like, fuck these people. They're yeah. fucking psychos. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's just a bad movie. It's a bad movie that doesn't understand timing. Like the pacing is all over the fucking shop. It goes from him being like, I'm going to get arranged marriage to him going to like this, like speed dating to meet people to get arranged marriage too. And then goes to suddenly meets this girl on Skype to agreeing to marry this woman. And then they're just in La Hur. Don't they just go to like on holiday and then come back married? Like that's that's what happened with the girls I knew at. Toys really? R Us. Yeah, they just... One of them was getting married, and they went to Pakistan to get married, and then while they were over there, the other one got married. They were Jesus, just, like, introduced okay. her to her new husband, and they got married. But, like, they <laughs> in don't... In two weeks. At no point in the film do they, like, set it up. You know, like, her documentary, she goes, oh, my friend's getting arranged marriage, and like, oh, great, film it! Film it! Make a documentary about it! And she's like, oh, okay. And then, and then that becomes the basis for her documentary film. Like, but they don't go. Well, we need this from you, or like, can we can we get like a narrative structure for her? She's just filming shit, and she can't film anything. Like a load of the scenes, like she's not getting anyone central to the shot. A load of the shots. At one point, she does a spin around in a room. She just goes, Wee! and then like she focuses on the groom, but she's just catching below his chin to the top of his chest. Fly on the wall. Fly on the wall stuff. <laughs> It's a proper documentary. <laughs> that's a Does she move the camera around a bit? Yeah, she, she shakes a lot. Yeah, yeah. She shakes a lot. Yeah. Um, that's because she's got Ron Parkinson's medication. <laughs> you didn't get that plot point, did you? No. And between last week's joke about cerebral palsy and this week's joke about Parkinson, are you trying to slowly indicate that you've got some horrible neurological disease? No, which one could I have? <laughs> really rolling them dice. <laughs> <laughs> jokes on you. I don't want one that makes me dribble. No, you'd be like, jokes on you, I've got leprosy. All of them. <laughs> I've got all of them. I am going downhill fast. Which one gives me psychic powers? <laughs> the, 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 
parallax disease from Green Lantern. Yeah. <laughs> you just get a big head and you're in a wheelchair like Pluto from The Hills of Ice. Yeah, I won't be like that. Fuck yeah. <laughs> I'll be a parallax. <laughs> you want an excuse to always be sitting down. No, but I want to be the big cloud thing. Oh, right, you just want to eventually evolve into a cloud. Yeah. You want to be an energy-based being. Yeah. All right. Because Green Lanterns aren't wills, so I'd win. Oh, so, yeah. So, it's just a bad movie. Also, it's called What's Love Got to Do With It. Can you guess what the title song is? It Must Be Love by the... um, No, there isn't a title song. It's all diegetic music within scenes. They couldn't get the license for What's Love Got to Do With It, though. Why didn't they? Because Tina Turner's got self-respect. Just get a fucking... Was there a Whitney Houston film out Yeah, there was a Whitney Houston film. But just get like a Bollywood cover of that song. Or anything. Racist. Why? Fucking Bollywood cover. Why does it have to be Bollywood? It doesn't have to be, but it would thematically fit the movie. Would it? Yeah. What if you get Mia, M-I-A? Sire? Mia. Mia? Yeah, the one that goes... Take your money. What are those noises you're making there? It's the gun noise and then the cash register. Can you make the gun noise again? There was a noise after that. That's the cash register. I'm not putting my best effort into this. I'm not fucking... I'm not fucking phones. Do the gun noise again, please. Not enough gun noises for one day. Do the cash machine once more. No. But Mia, M-I-A... She spells her name M. Well, she's M. Dot I. Dot A. Dot. But you say call her Mia. Get her to do a rap song. What's the cash machine? Have you never used a cash machine before? Yeah, no, tell Not me a spring loaded one. What's it sound like? They make a shaky noise. Yeah, what's it sound like? I'm mean, on the shit noises. You got the noises. Just fucking. I'm saying, you and your racist ass saying, oh, we get Bollywood. Can you do the gun noise once more? I just need to know what the gun noise is. No, I'm busy. (laughs) Not my transformer. Oh, God. Uh, Anyway, um, (laughs) what's what's love got to do with a bad movie? Um, So, yeah, so I went... um, I went with Livy, who obviously we met on a, on a dating app. And, and their experience of dating apps in this, they use Hinge, which is one that we're familiar with. What? They use Hinge in this film. And, and like their experience with Hinge is they mostly just meet people that appear to be horrible, horrible sex offenders or cheating on their wives. In fact, actually, that's another point. The, no couples come off as looking good in this film. Oh, yeah, Shaker Kapoor, yeah. Don't fucking go on about... How bad this film he's directed is. Oh, he's directing, it's not right. Fucking, he's directed all sorts of shit. Who edited this, Ant? Find that Your out. Your fucking mum. <sighs> no, she didn't, she didn't. But he directed fucking Elizabeth. There you go, that's the film he did. The Golden Age. Both of them. Well, then he's got a lot to answer for, because the Golden Age was shit. Yeah, but Elizabeth's really good. The Golden Age? Elizabeth. The Golden Age. Golden Age is a sequel. Oh! Make the cash machine noise again. He did Four Feathers as well. (laughs) Right, but, um, yeah, it's just, it's a real bad movie. It's just fucking bad. It, it, like, none of it worked. As I said, the the one redeeming thing is Emma Thompson and his, the people that play his parents are both excellent. But other than that, it just, none of it hits. None of it feels like it actually makes much sense. Like, the, the, they make burka jokes. They're like, they just feel like they're they're from a decade ago. 
someone makes a comment about wearing a bikini to the beach. And it's just like, it's like, again, it feels like Jim Davidson style joke. Just dog shit. So cheap and easy. Like, even a fucking moron could make a better joke. Yeah, but it's, and they've just it's written, written and directed shit. by Asian people. So, sure, it's fine by them. Oh, yeah, yeah. Does that mean that it's a good film, man? Well, they, they oh, know it, means, the jokes. it means in your in your eyes, this is a good representation of arranged marriage. No, they they're just saying they, the jokes are. Their oh, the jokes. jokes are their jokes. Yeah. So the racist jokes are made by people of that race, and that yeah, makes it yeah, fine. It's fine. It's fine. Then. That's not how it works, Ad. It's fine. Shit, racist jokes are shit, racist jokes, even if people make them who are that race. It's written by. Um, if I said all white people can't jump, does that mean you get to not be outraged? We had a movie that proves that white people can jump. So sorry. Woody Harrelson isn't white. He's now buying a black person. He's a crazy person. He is crazy. Um, anyway, what's love got to do? It's dog shit. Don't go see it. It's a bad representation of online dating. It's a bad representation of dating. It's it's people that watch this film. If you think that in any way this is a healthy relationship, or if any of the healthy the relationships in it are healthy, you're fucking wrong. This oh, is just... written by Imran Khan's wife, well, his yeah. ex-wife. They got divorced ages ago. You know the cricketer. Oh yeah, Imran Khan. It's it's just bad. It's just really, really, really bad. And don't watch it. Just don't. Just why would you? Don't. And it was made last year. It only got released in cinemas this year. So it feels like it was written 12 years ago. It was made last year. And it's a plot that, that deserves to be in the, in the early 90s. Around the time that East is East came out. That's when this film should have come out. And it shouldn't be called a fucking rom-com. What about West funny- is West? The sequel from 2004? Yeah. Terrible. This shouldn't have been Racist. made. It just shouldn't have. It's bad. If you want to, like, make a film about arranged marriage and then put a perspective in there of someone who's white, fine, do that. Have someone be a guest. They don't need to be the worst fucking documentary filmmaker in the world. Oh, I'll tell you what. There was one line in which he is chastising her for having any feelings for him or for trying to convince her friend not to make a mistake that he later realises is a mistake and then she's fine and being like, Oh, yeah, that's fine. You're emotionally manipulative and abusive to me. I forgive you because you got to a shit marriage. Like, no, that's not how life works. You shouldn't forgive people that say shit to you like, oh, if you saw someone with a bunch of red flags, you just you just say they look good in them because you like red flags. That's a joke from friends. That's how old that joke is. It's dog shit. So it's Can you not peak the audio? And Adam Sandler, you said you wanted me to talk at the microphone. When I talk at the microphone, it's too loud. You have a go at me. Make the cash machine noise again. Yeah. <laughs> when this when this is edited and released, I'm going to download it and I'm going to replace your gun noises and cash machine noises with the ones in the song. I'm going to make my same. own edit. Exactly the same. <laughs> <laughs> That's what guns sound like. <laughs> Never heard a gun. It's my, it's, it's my favorite. It's my favorite thing we've done in this podcast in two hundred episodes. You do the gun noises and then gas machine noises, and then doing them again because I asked you to. This is this is the best. Don't you ever song. <laughs> it's a very famous song. How's the song go again? I'm telling you. <laughs> Because you're an uncultured swine. <laughs> I'm going to play 
play at the beginning of the next episode. You don't even know what song it is. Oh no, I'll Google it. I'll use I'll Spotify. No Shazam, you're really a stomach. <laughs> and it'll come up and say that is exactly the song. <laughs> you're, you 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 don't fool in the realm. I screwed around so much. Stop trying not to laugh when you say shit. I'll stop. Oh no! Neighbors gonna knock on the door and say, "I heard a gunfire earlier. A cash machine open." You do all right. <laughs> no. Right, you done? Oh, there we go. That sorted me out. Thank you. Huh. Your review, Ant. <laughs> what are you reviewing? Tom Carter, yeah. What's love got to do with it? No. I it's finished. TV show finished. Ugh. TV show finished. Yep. yep. Avatar Sentai Don Brothers. 2022's Super Sentai series is finished. Yeah. Yeah. It's really good. Oh. It might be my favourite Super Sentai series. Um Toshiro um 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 Inoue, Inoue. No, I can't pronounce his fucking fuck his name up, but he's one of the main. He's done lots of Tokusatsu over the years, and he gets criticised a lot because he does a lot of similar things, and he always has romance, love triangles, and stuff, and things like that. He, he's all sorts of things he does. He likes to drop plot points and all this. Fuck all that. He made an amazing series. Like back in the early nineties, he he broke, breathed new life into Super Sentai with Jetman. Um, it was the success of that show that led to Power Rangers becoming a thing. And Don Brothers, he's done it again. He's fucking done it again. Like, because they've been trying to refresh the show for a few years now. They tried, like, having 12 Rangers in one series, figuring more toy potential there. They did Lupin Ranger versus Patter Ranger for a bit. They did, went a bit traditional for a little while to see if maybe they just needed to focus on tradition and get it right. And then they did Zenkaija, which was so Super Sentai, the original name for the show was going to be Sentai Sentai Sentaija, which would have been an amazing name for a Super Sentai series. You just, you know, you have to trademark one word. Yeah. Fucking nailed it. But Don Brothers. Plot's based on the legend of Momotaro. You know the legend of Momotaro? No. Fucking uncultured swine. So it's a story about a family. They, they This family found a child in a peach. It uh, came out of it, or a child was birthed from a peach. Different versions, legends, different things. You okay. know Peach Boy, the game on the PC Engine? You've got, It's in the PC Engine game, Paul. Is it in the games I had? Yeah. I gave you so the there's a child born from a peach. Yeah. And when he grows up, he's all innocent and sweet. He never tells a lie, anything like that. He's got, he likes eating cabedon, which is a type of dumpling. Um, and he goes off on an adventure and he makes friends with a monkey, a pheasant, and a dog. Aww. That's part of the story. And they fight Oni, demons. Yeah. The way this works in this show is there's a red ranger called Momotaro. And he was found sailing down a river as a baby in a little baby's basket with a big peach shaped peach on it and he was inside that mm-hmm. and this guy found him and raised him as his own child Momotaro is a bit of a strange lad he can't tell a lie if he tells a lie he dies that's like a thing and he dies quite often in this series no oh. luckily you can revive him pretty easily just oh yeah it's not too, it just it doesn't take it's a temporary situation he's only partly dead but he's not fully dead no he did not like no, he's, he's, he's dead no pulse fucking oh. dead but um if he dies like that's he becomes dies. a thing in the show 
because you know the team kind of use it as their way of finding out when he's trying to hide something from them. And there's one episode where they're trying to con a con man, and he wants to get involved, but obviously he can't lie. So they scare the shit out of the con man by having him lie in front of the in front of the con man, so he dies in front of him. <laughs> scare the shit out. Great episode. Not bad. Um, brilliant. He just acts all scary and spooky. Um, but no, so he's that's his thing. But the show actually from the, at the start follows the Yellow Ranger, who's themed around Oni. Yeah. Demons. Yeah. Um, and part of the whole show, she she's narrated a lot of the time. A lot of the characters are. There's quite a lot where the show has full narration and it kind of feels like one of those sort of J teen drama things or like, um, like, you know, the sort of J dramas they do where it's heavy narration and freaking a lot of internal thought process stuff going on, things like that. So it feels like that a lot of the time. It doesn't feel like a super Sentai series. Um, the show barely ever cares about the monster of the week, which is amazing because the monsters of the week are themed around previous Sentai shows, which kind of gives the impression that Inoue didn't really care about previous Sentai shows. So the Monster of the Week is just a completely original creation for this? Yeah, yeah, but it's they're always like... They've got some sort of thematic look that yeah. fixes with an old Sentai season. Oh, okay. But um, yeah, so the team doesn't really form straight away because the way this works in this world, they get a gun, right? And the gun gives them their Super Sentai powers. And when that happens, a door opens and they get pulled through the door and they end up in the battlefield where the monsters appeared. So whenever someone encounters the monster first, then they henshin, they turn into their Super Sentai form, the others get teleported in. So because they're from all over this city, none of them know who each other are. They only know each other from the battles when they're a Super Sentai. So for the first, like, for the first six, seven episodes, none of them really get to know each other. They sort of cross paths, but they don't know they're the Sentai. So there's this whole thing going on where they're trying to figure out who the rest of their team is mm. and they don't realise they're interacting with them. It leads to some really good episodes. The Black Ranger in the show and the Pink Ranger. The Pink Ranger's a male Pink Ranger. And he's like 33. That's about the oldest Ranger they've had on the show for years as the main team. Um, the Pink Ranger turns into a nine foot tall pheasant person and the Black Ranger turns into a two foot tall dog. Um so they're CGI, not not particularly great CGI, but I'll cut them slack because this show's a year-long thing and churning out digital effects for a year is, you know, troublesome if you're going to be doing that. Um, they do heavily utilise early on this power they have to turn into previous Sentai teams. Um, so that lets them not use the CGI for a little bit. And then as the show goes on, they find excuses to use close-ups of the models they have or costumes they've made for those rangers so they can just get the helmet in shot and not use the slightly dodgy CGI. Yeah. Um, but no, they they but they don't know who they are. They don't find out who the Black Ranger is. Spoilers for most of the show. <laughs> they never find out who it is um, till right at the end of the show, which is kind of neat because the whole thing, the whole Avatar part of it, Avatar, the whole Avatar thing is kind of like video game sort of theme running into it, where they're all like, as a Super Sentai, that's their avatars, their personas. And they're, they're personas as heroes. The Red Ranger's character completely changes when he's morphed. He goes from being this guy who's like incredibly doesn't say too much, like only ever tells the truth and all this sort of stuff, very reserved but incredibly confident in his skills to be the guy who's a big showman who gets who's carried into battle on like a carriage that's being carried by a whole bunch of these women with fans, like some old like Kabuki theater type thing, and he's flapping a fan. And he's going, it's a massive, it's a festival, we're going to have a festival and all this shit. And he's like dancing, completely over the top character. Yeah. Um, 
sort of the main all the main team members like the main core thing that goes on with them is that they're all a bunch of fucking weirdos every single one of them like the Red Ranger with his whole being from another world and not being able to tell lies or anything the Yellow Ranger she was a manga artist and then she got accused of plagiarism from someone else and the plagiarist is someone running around in a bunny costume I predicted the plot twist with that like six months in advance I can't believe I was right because it involves time travel yeah and there's absolutely nothing to hint that it's time travel until then but I was right um but there's uh, the Blue Ranger is this guy who like he lives without money and he just helps people out with like giving them advice and he's somehow got this cult without personality around him and people just give him food and that's how he lives and if he gets really hungry he just imagines he's eating food and that fills him up he's that much of a nutter he keeps doing haikus so um, he's imagining he's eating yeah yeah apparently that works for him just but like, he'll uh... take some food if you give it to him oh okay <laughs> I think he thinks if he um. If he pretends to eat food, people will feel sorry for him and give him food. But um, he can't touch money. It burns if he touches money. Um, The Pink Ranger's happily married um, to this woman he met just recently. Oh, nice. Right. Um, He may be a little bit overprotective of her to a he sets someone up to be killed type situation. Someone kidnaps her in an episode. And the villains in the show, (coughs) if they defeat the monster, then that monster, that person dies. Okay. Um, although it turns out they actually get sent to some like parallel dimension thing, <laughs> so it's fine. Um, but he shoves him into the shoves the Red Ranger out of the way so that the bad guys kill the monster to kill this guy who kidnapped his wife. And he's like, there's all these moments where he's like super overprotective and he gets sinister, like he's some sort of crazy person. Mm. Um, but yeah, his wife he only met recently, like a few months ago. Um, and then like um, the Black Ranger who's on the run from the police after his girlfriend went missing and they think he's the one who made her go miss him and you know you never see where she's gone weirdly she looks a hell of a lot like the pink ranger's wife ooh mysteries um there's a whole load of stuff going on the show there's like so many layers of things there's like people who there's like a race of creatures who take called bestials who take over other people's lives copying them and then they take on new personalities and they go and get obsessively eating meat and stuff, like cramming it in their face, going into a rage, and they're going around the place trying to kill the um, the Power Rangers, the Super Sentai team, the Don Brothers, and their enemies, the Noto. So it's like three factions going on. The villains, the Noto, or Brain People, is apparently is the translation of that. Um, they're three guys who like they don't understand human ways of life, but they try to learn about it. One of them tries to learn about laughter. One of them wants to get into a real competitive feud with the Red Ranger, and the other one wants to learn about love. Um, and they gradually, as the show goes on, there's like this real like they start becoming friends with the main team, okay. even though they're like villains and everything. Yeah. And they stop being the villains, and then someone gets sent to replace them. Because they've, you know, they've broken too many rules. They still want a challenge. They still want to defeat the Sentai. But they're like, we could learn more from you. Um, And one of them falls in love with the Black Ranger and stuff. And maybe the Blue Ranger, maybe the leader of the Noto, Sonoi, uh, maybe he's also in love with the Red Ranger. It's like, they don't don't say they're gay. There's no no butt stuff, no kissing between the two boys. But there is a song you can download, a music video. Of the two of them singing a very romantic song to each other. And doing that stuff. <laughs> I mean, the song's got a lot of stuff about holding hands and will you be there for me and all this. And I'm like, 
This is gay as fuck. <laughs> no, that's just, that's nice. They kill each other. Oh. Um, <laughs> people got die in this and get brought back to life all the time. It's fine. To be fair, like, I think that some people love each other so much they have to kill yeah. each other. But there's like a great episode early on where they build up to a few, they build up, they're going to have a big battle. And the episode starts with seeing the battle kick off. And yeah. it's getting a bit crazy. Everyone's there. But you find out it's just supposed to be the Red Ranger, like Taro and Sonoy, having a feud. And then because everyone turns up when it gets to the final battle, they're like, fuck this, let's get out of here. This isn't what we planned. And then it just goes to this really cool bit where you see them walking down a road, like one to the other. Oh, and they right. get there and they draw their weapons and they clash and one of them falls over dead. Oh. And then that gets repeated later, like 10 episodes later, because they get they revive, it's fine. Stop oh, right. Happening. So they just have big kisses and they're back together. Yeah. But oh. then it repeats it again a second time. <gasps> and then you see, like, confusing this purple ranger that's going around the place pick up. One of them will walk off with him. There's a purple ranger called Murasame. He lives in the sword. It's a sword that flows around the place. It's magical. Oh, cool. He speaks to someone called his mother. He just calls mother. What shall I do? And mother tells him what to do. Oh. And he's got the mind of a child. And you never see who it is. He's just always in a ranger costume. Shark themed. But he's quite cool. He like, turn, goes into the ground and shark stuff happens. Um, There's no explanation for what he is. Or where he comes from. Just that he's some sort of thing that was designed to be- defeat the bestials like his sword can kill them permanently whereas oh. nothing else can um, but like he's kind of chaotic and chucked in there and causing all sorts of problems for everyone not handy um, there's a cool thing going on with the silver ranger the okay. sixth ranger who's also the gold ranger yeah um, he has two personalities and they literally split apart into two separate people and one of them's kind of a bit sort of is he bisected no, he's just like they come out of each other. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, it's like his all about an internal struggle about the person you present to people and who he is really inside. Because that's the thing that runs through it is everyone's got two personalities, and you know, or some people are trying to find who their personality really is. It's like thematics, man. Mm. And then, and then the show builds up to like. I mean, every episode's a friggin' banger. Like every episode has something amazing in it. Um, like even seven episodes in, there's an episode where they find in Zuka the guy who's on the run, and they have a birthday party for him while the police are outside Aww. trying to get him. Like the police are like trying to get him to come out. Like, you know, let's finish our birthday party first. Yeah, they have a little birthday party for him. It's really good. Um, just absolutely fantastic episodes. The girl who plays Haruka, the Yellow Ranger, mm. is like a rubber-faced monstrosity. She can like pull the craziest face. Everyone in the show can. Like, everyone's got amazing face work. <laughs> like, just their reactions. The, she does weird eye-rolling things. One of the villains, Sonoza, has, like, this crazy eyes that he does. Mm. And you'll see him, like, in the background, just sort of off to the side of the shop. Doing crazy eyes. And his eyes will do something really crazy. And it's, like, barely acknowledged. Um, but, yeah, all leads up to the most amazing final set of episodes. Yeah. The Super Sentai. Normally, Super Sentai builds up to, like, there's a big demon. And they're going to blow up the big demon or some shit. And they have to use their power of friendship to save the day. And maybe stuff's got pretty low and it looked like they weren't going to win, but then they win in the end. So do they not use friendship in this one? No, none of them. Their friendship's important. But there's the themes are there, but they're done in such a different way. There's no major massive villain that's been built up over the series. Because the three main villains you fought with the main villains become Don Brothers. They don't get Don Brother costumes, but because they've proved themselves... And because Taro really likes them and the rest of the team grow to like them, they all get integrated in each other's lives. They let them join them and they become part of the team. Like straight up doing poses and all that shit. 
um, the three that were sent to replace them, the three new villains that turn up who are like even more sadistic and crazy. Yeah. Who well they are sadistic and crazy, whereas the original ones didn't have that. They just wanted to do their job. But the crazy ones turn up. They get defeated in the second to last episode, pretty much. They're still around, but then two crazy people turn up and kill them. Oh. Um, both played by former rangers. Oh. Uh, and one of them's played by the Yellow Ranger from Car Ranger, and the other one's played by uh, Bud from Zioja. Oh, not um, Bud the Chud. Nah, but he's also a character in Carmen Rider 5s, which was written by Inoue. But then the main ones, they fight at the end, but they're not like some big demon thing. They're just two guys, they fight. But the whole thing is the the battle itself at the end is structured in a way where it's thematic that the team come together because the Red Ranger's losing his memories and he doesn't remember the team because he's completed his task and apparently there's something... He's a, he's a mystery. There's a lot of mysteries with him. And when he's completed his task, his memories are starting to go. He doesn't remember his friends. There's a whole bunch of really sad scenes leading up to it. And he gets given a manga comic that Haruka's written. She's mm. making a big comeback. And she's written a manga comic about the Don brothers, and he doesn't remember any of them at this point. But he gets given the document to read, and they're all ready for battle, and they're getting beaten. And then he turns up in battle, and you see the last page of the the manga, Mm. and it's him in his costume with empty speech bubbles. And he turns up, and he's like, we need to do a roll call. Because he doesn't know their names now. He goes, everyone shout your names out. And they all do the roll call, and it gets to him, and he goes silent. And he stood there, and they're all like, does he know who he is? Does he is he going to be able to do it? And then it cuts back to him looking at the manga, and his eyes go, huh. and then the manga text fills him, and he shouts out his you know declaration: "The boy born from a peach, greatest swordsman in the world, Momotaro." Yeah, and they do the perfect pose, fucking amazing finale, and he just powers up his sword, beats the shit out of both the villains in one shot. <laughs> they explode. He disappears in the explosion, and they're like, "We're never going to see him again. It's gone." And then the episode ends with like a a little a little bit of sweet ending thing just a little bit of happiness at the end and it fo- the last shot of the thing is Haruka's face and in, she's not pulling off one of her crazy rubber faced expressions she's pulling off like a really sincere like like she's sad but happy at the same time yeah thing and it's like the best ending I've seen to a Super Sentai show ever like a couple of others every now and again have really nice endings like Decker Ranger has an amazing finale but it's a big action finale and Takuja has one of those finales where the Rangers, because they were Takuja, the Rangers were really children the whole time. They got aged up mm. and brought into a war that they weren't originally part of. Yeah, and so they missed their fa- their town got eradicated, but they meet their family again at the end, and it's like a really happy ending for them because they get to be turned back into kids and back with their family. And sometimes they have those really memorable endings, and this one's like right up there. I've started watching Jetman now, and Jetman I know has a crazy. Like a really memorable finale mm. because they it gets brought up a lot in Super Sentai. It's one of those endings that's like iconic in the series. Um, I've got a feeling Don Brothers is going to hit in there because Don Brothers is legit. Like it is nothing like any Super Sentai show. Well, no, it sounds sounds a lot more interesting. It's crazy. It's very much focused on the characters themselves and the way how some episodes were like the monster won't show up till five minutes from the end. And they just they just fight it, beat it, and they're like, yeah, what was that bullshit? Let's get back to our bullshit. Because, yeah. Um, yeah, some episodes are still very traditional Sentai ones where the monster's turned up and done a crazy thing and they get, you know, we have to stop this thing. But the way it's all structured is amazing. And I saw loads of people complaining, saying, oh, they're dropping plot threads and stuff like that. They weren't dropping plot threads. 
this show was paced for 50 episodes. It wasn't like most Japanese shows. You know how like anime and stuff like that will go through like 12 episode arcs and everything builds up to the next big big event. Mm. This is none of that. There's there's moments that feel like a big event moments, but they don't build up to that in the same sort of way. They just come about naturally. And then all the plot threads that you're getting with the characters, who this character is, what their secrets are, where this person comes from and all that, it all starts getting answered in the last like 10 episodes. Um, and that's how a show should be structured. It should be structured to end at the end. Yeah. It shouldn't be structured to be a series of escalating frigging plot twists. And apparently, this show has less toys than any other Super Sentai series for years. There's like three mecha. Like, everyone's got their own individual mecha, and that's the main mecha for the whole show. Um, the rangers have, like, one weapon each. Like, they've all got a sword. And, like, the red ranger gets, like, this gold armor thing. That's yeah. about it. Like, there's there's hardly any toys to show. But apparently it's sold better toy-wise than any other Super Sentai show for, like, like, ten years. And it's like, there's less toys, but the show's so popular that everyone's buying the toys. And I think that's kind of... Maybe they should take a lesson from that. Yeah. And maybe stop churning out five million friggin' toys. They're not gonna, because the new series looks like it's got five million. There's nine mecha right away at the start of the show. Like, right away. Well, the mecha looks fucking amazing in the new <laughs> show. I've got to be honest, there's a giant bug robot. They've never done a bug theme. I'm all for that. And it looks like a robot from, you know, in the 80s when you'd get robots in Japanese stuff, and they'd have that, they have a bit of grease to them, a little yeah. bit of grime. There's like a texture to them. Yeah. And they're not glossy. And that's what it looks like in the show. It reminds me of um, the one from X-Bomber. Starfleet, as it was called in the UK. Puppet show that was on the 80s. Okay. It was a fucking amazing show. Had a theme song by Brian May and Van Halen. Um, Might as well jump. No, not that one. It was Starfleet. Starfleet. Star Trekking. Starfleet. Universe. But um, yeah, Don, Avatar Sentai Don Brothers. I don't know if I'd say make someone watch this as their first Super Sentai because it's so different to every other Super Sentai. It's like, it probably wouldn't work very well. Yeah. <coughs> like, you might watch this and bounce off another Super Sentai. Yeah. But it's definitely one people should watch, just as a show on its own. As its own thing. Um, there's there's a little bit of a tie to the previous series, Zenkaija, because the guy who runs the cafe they hang out with is the same, is the lead ranger from Zenkaija, but he's an entirely different person in this, and it's, it's never answered why. But they're doing a Zenkaija versus Don Brothers movie, and I imagine that's where it's building up to. Okay. I think he's the god from Zenkaija. Ah. I think he created a new world, and he put himself as the central mentor of that world. There's a lot of influence of Gantz in it. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, it's that. not just a little bit. It's like... Well, the death and rebirth <clears throat> stuff. Yeah. The, it's um, the circle The way they get teleported into combat. Yeah. Straight from Gantz. Oh, really? They do the split? Well, no, they just go through a door, but they're getting oh. teleported into combat and all this sort of stuff. Um, that they're holding off invasion forces Yeah, from some other from other races. Um, they have a point system, and they can use the points to grant themselves wishes. Hmm. There are consequences to very dangerous wishes, though. Ooh. But it's quite good. That gets explored early on as well. Um, Harika quits the Don Brothers with her points. And someone else becomes the Yellow Ranger and she doesn't like the idea that someone else is going to be in trouble and danger. And she puts herself back in there. Oh, so you can choose to go back into it. Yeah. And there's also a previous Blue Don brother turns up. He found out that he got out at some point. It's implied that there's been loads of them. But this team is the bunch of weirdos. They've just stuck it out. Yeah. And like the fact that they're all weirdos and they all think they're the normal one. 
Like that's 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 classic. That's perfect for wacky TV shows. Yeah, make everyone a fucking weirdo and everyone thinks they're the normal one because mm. that that works fantastically. But it's fucking amazing show. Like Tokuja was my top Super Sentai solidly for like years. Yeah, and this one's like I had to take a week thinking, is it? Is it? Yeah, it is. This has to be my top Super Sentai now. Mm. It sounds like it's the most <clears> interesting <throat> concept they've done. It's fucking superb. It's weird. It's freaking kooky. It goes absolutely bizarre. Like, characters go full-on kabuki theatre comedy do you at think, times. Do you think this is something that will be made into a Power Rangers series? I don't know, because it's very Japanese in its theme. Yeah. Momotaro is extremely Japanese theme, and they seem to be in Power Rangers moving away from using the costumes. Yeah. Because um, Cos- Cosmic Fury is not using the Q-Ranger costumes. They're using the Zords, but not the costumes oh, and the weapons. I remember you said about that before. Yeah. But, uh, the Q-Ranger, but then again, Cosmic Fury is also like a 10-episode miniseries. Yeah. So I think they're using it as a bridge to the gap to a full adaptation of Q Ranger. Hmm. But um because Q Ranger's a tricky one to adapt because there's t- there's twelve Rangers. Of course. Yeah. How do you introduce twelve Rangers and twelve main characters? The legacy characters to transfer yeah. with them, yeah. Yeah. Which they this is what they did in Super Sentai. They just started off with twelve new characters and it's like the first ten episodes are a mess because of it, because they're constantly introducing the next new character. Yeah. The first episode doesn't even get to focus on introducing the Red Ranger. It, halfway through the episode, it's suddenly the Blue Rangers episode. It would be interesting to see like them do a series where it's like the Power Rangers are teleported to like another world, and it's like one member from each of the different teams, and they just have to sort of survive. They're not the Power Rangers, Super Sentai, sorry, where they're just like... There's a Super Sentai Strongest Battles mini-series. Okay. Um, that was a four-part series before Rio Soldier started. Oh, it was where... like a Battle Royale one, though, wasn't it? Yeah, there was a whole bunch of mixed-up teams, and they all had to fight it out. Yeah. Um, they were being controlled by someone who's her name's Rita and she's a witch. But not Rita Repulsa. No. But it's a clear reference to Rita Repulsa. That lady died, didn't she? Yeah, Machiko Soga. Very attractive yeah, lady. Died years ago. Are you thinking of the original Rita Repulsa? Yeah. Are you thinking of the second Rita Repulsa who was played by a much younger woman? Probably the second one. <laughs> yeah, probably the second one. Because Machiko Soga was like fifty. Oh right. Okay. In Power Rangers. Might have still been forty hot, something. Those Japanese Japanese ladies in their fifties look like a anyone else in their thirties. No, there's some racism in there, but I'm too tired. No, ja- everyone knows Japanese ladies look gorgeous for years and then suddenly get old overnight, just instantly. Is that what's going to happen to Michelle Yeoh? Yeah, because she's still attractive. Good old Michelle. She's like sixty almost, isn't she? Yeah. Good old Michelle Yeoh. But um, no, freaking police story three. She's in. Yeah. Yeah, there's one where she rides a bike onto a train and she does that herself. Yeah. Fucking crazy. And she only had like a couple of days to learn how to ride the bike. <laughs> it's like, I know how to beat someone to death with a spoon, but I don't know how to ride a bicycle. Yeah, she almost killed herself doing that. Yeah. <laughs> Still remember Jackie Chan in uh, Rumble in the Bronx broke his foot mm. and they just put that sock they coloured to look like a shoe over his cast mm. and he just continued doing stunts. No, it's Jackie Chan. Yeah, he's fucking... We've got a copy of Armour of God at work. Oh, really? Yeah, the um, Arrow film. Oh, Is it Arrow films? It's a the special Blu-ray. issue one. Yeah. Hmm. I think oh, it's expensive, though. I think it's not cheap. It's like 20-something quid. No, oh, no, then. Yeah. But Don Brothers, give it a watch. Because hmm. I like it. And the main criticism I ever see people having is, oh, the CGI for the two Rangers is bad. It gives a shit. Fuck yeah. off. Who cares? Uh, <laughs> I don't give I, a shit. I genuinely still enjoy the Langoliers, and that's got some of the worst CGI ever recorded. Yeah, this is on that level. Yeah. Because uh, I don't think... Toei don't seem to put down tracking markers for when they're going to have CGI stuff in a shot. 
or when they're compositing loads of characters into a CGI environment. Yeah. They don't seem to use tracking markers because I think with their brain pattern, their thought pattern process is we have to make this show in like six days. And like, if we put tracking markers in, we have to manually remove them yeah. from shot. <laughs> Because they'd have to shoot the shot and then they'd have to shoot the coverage of the shot to remove the tracking markers, wouldn't they? Or get someone to go in and manually remove them. And I don't they I don't I think that's the reason they don't use tracking markers and why characters float around a little bit sometimes. And the motion capture they've done. Because they use motion capture, it's very raw data motion capture. Mm. And you can tell it kind of doesn't work so well. All the mecha fights are done like that as well. There's hardly any costumes in that. There's a few of them, but the mecha fights are largely CGI motion capture stuff. Yeah. In a sort of Tron man, Tron like grid man like, like neon setting. Are you talking about Auto Man? No, Grid Man. No, have you seen SSS Grid Man? No. SSSS Grid Man. It's no. really good. You should watch that. It's anime. But Grid Man's a show as well in the nineties. And SSSS Grid Man is a sequel. Well, Auto to Man it. was from the eighties. He was a hologram. Ricardo Auto Ban. Yeah. But anyway, um, <laughs> is that Ricardo Montalban riding on the Auto Ban? Yeah. Ricardo Auto Ban's the lead singer of the Pound Shop Boys. <laughs> <laughs> you did a cover of the um, Fireman Sam theme tune once. Um, oh, that one that you played the other day. Great. I love that one. Um, and it's also in Attery Squash. You do my favourite Christmas song, um, Santa's Laugh That Mocks the Poor. <laughs> you know what song I listened to recently that made me laugh a lot? Have you heard Don Lemon, the Jaws song? <clears throat> no. It's fucking incredible. You should check that out. Don it's Lemon. Don Le- uh, no, uh, Demon. Uh, yeah, Don Lemon. And he does a song well, called the old Jaws. Man. Um, it does a song called Jaws, and it's oh Jack Lemmon, I'm thinking of, and it's just a retelling of Jaws the movie, mm. but it's all completely wrong. Oh, and it's fucking hilarious, sweet. But um, well, this is the longest podcast ever. No, it's not. We've done longer episodes. No, we haven't. Have we not? Fucking end it. All right, okay. Don Brothers is great. Um, you can find Dan at LV54 Space Monkey on Twitter. You can also find him at Wild Wars Hat on Twitter. He's also Crit Apocalypse. No, sorry, Mellow Gaming on YouTube. Yeah, you're Crit Apocalypse. I'm Crit Apocalypse everywhere. Um, as always, we'll see you in two weeks. Uh, Resident Evil 4 remakes out in that time, so I should be reviewing that. No, it's not. No, it's not. It won't be out by the next episode, but I will be reviewing the final two episodes of The Last of Us. And oh yeah, Don Brothers has amazing mu- themes, music as well. Sorry. Yeah. And uh, also, um, is Evil Dead Rise out in that time? I don't fucking know. Scream 6, know. I'm going to be seeing Scream 6 next week in Frada. That's 3D for anyone who doesn't doesn't understand mm. Japanese. Um, all right, everybody, have a great couple of weeks. See you soon. As always, Rishi Sunak fucks kids by making their parents poorer. Does that is that make you happy, Anne? I'm not insinuating that he's a paedophile, even though because he's a millionaire, he's more than likely a weird paedophile. Cool. Let's end the episode because you complained it was too long. Bye, everyone. Have a week. <laughs> and-